keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roast. I am your host, the King of Sad Sal, Dan St. Germain. I'm here with Sergeant Slaughterhouse, Scotty Chaps, Robert Karpolis, Mike Lawrence, and joining us, uh, besides Zach, uh, she's been on the show before. Uh, she's hilarious. She's been a wild and out. Maddie Smith. Maddie, hey. thank you for coming on. Maddie's going to be- up? Maddie's going to be joining us a little later for our Roast of Ronda Rousey skit section. Um, but first off, we're going to start a, start a little show in hell. But before we even get that, I mean, we've got a week until WrestleMania, guys. Are you excited? I don't Anybody? very much so. <laughs> I, I looked at it. I mean, I looked at it and there's like seven matches. I'm, I'm genuinely excited to see next week. I'm, I'm, I, this is it's the least excited. I've ever been for sure. And I'm pretending it's maturity and not just the depression <laughs> quarantine, you know, you're, you're pretending- pulling it up a little bit though. It's, it's getting, it was a lot more depressing a week ago than it was now with the build where it almost feels like they know what they're doing. And most of the matches, even the ones that aren't going to be with a spectacular storyline, which I'm sure we'll get to later. They're pretty much all going to be fine. Um, with the exception of one or two that are are, are going to make people regret that they're risking their lives with COVID to go to live WrestleMania. No, I think everything's going to rule. I just think it's going to be really hard to make me care. You well, know? here's the thing, Scott. You found love, and when you find love, that replaces the need to watch eight hours of fake conflict, and you only need about three. Yeah, I mean, five and a half for me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the over-under, you think, on people getting engaged and breaking up WrestleMania weekend. Like the couples that actually go there. Well, Charlotte and Andrade. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not going to beat that. Let's get to the 10 count folks. Number one show in hell this week. The bells are attacked folks. When Hulkamania attacks, uh, if, if, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Belzer had a uh, late night show in the 80s. Hulk Hogan was on with Mr. T to promote WrestleMania. And what happened? Hogan put on the sleeper hold for real. And uh, the rest is history. About five years later, uh, Belzer was paid $250,000, even though Hogan said that he lost millions. Uh, recurring, uh, uh, recurring trope, Hulk Hogan is a massive liar. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 a pretty wild video. Let's start with uh, let's start with Robert. What did you think of this? This was by far one of the best, most uncomfortable things I've ever watched in my entire life. Um, what was great about it was number one the fact that Richard Belzer had a talk show for for a minute, which I can only imagine was completely unwatchable for a, a long stretch of time where he's not solving murders, but. 
the the fact that he was <laughs> he was taking the shots at Hogan and then he locks in the, the the face lock and Hogan does the thing that every wrestler does to a non-wrestler which is I want to make you think that this hurts a lot more than it does I want to maintain legitimacy in it and he chokes him out and Belzer just drops in a, for a, after a couple seconds I mean he just drops like a sack of potatoes and he's out cold and the gasp from the audience is one of the best sound effects that I wish you could rip this off and steal this in movies for years. It was complete shock and horror to the point where you would think it was faked until they come back from commercial. And it's just the producer there going, you know, yeah, this, this happened and this is awful. And then it turned into a don't try this at home PSA while Hogan was trying very hard to apologize, but still being a dick about it. He's like, look, he's like, I would have done this 10 times harder to someone in the ring. And, and Belger's kind of a pussy, but I well, feel really bad about this, guys. Well, Robert, thank God he learned to apologize later on. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was, I mean, the, the first thought that I had from this is Belzer is dressed like the guy who sells De Niro's his guns and taxi driver. It has the same like really like loud guys and dolls type suit. You know, it just smells like cigarettes. Uh, And I do, I did have one hot take from this. And this is that I do think it was harder to be a professional wrestler back then. Not because the moves were harder, not because uh, you had to, you know, be on social media as much, but because you had to be in character all the time. And how fucking embarrassing as a grown ass man, like when you're like invited to a place wearing a suit and you've got to pretend you're from parts unknown. That's just yeah. So you're just an sad. animal in a zoo at that point. <laughs> yeah. What did you like think? Breaking of this kfab is like really the idea is just freeing themselves from the shackles. K-fab. Whatever. What did I call it? Kfab. K-fab. Well, good. I pretend I don't know words to sound cool in front of Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. <laughs> so Belzer, to me, I never liked Belzer as a comic, and that's how I judged this entire video. <laughs> was choke the liar out you ever like re- i used to read so many books dude in college i dropped out the first year but i would just go to the library and read like stand-up books and they're all by guys from the 80s and and uh mike's mom and <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's, guys that's a shoot <laughs> that's yeah. a shoot <laughs> um and guys and, from the 80s who had sex with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're they're all delusional. They're all full of shit. They all stunk. A uh, bunch of cokeheads. Uh, and so I, I he was being disrespectful. Uh, Hogan just should have lowered him to the ground after he choked him out, I think. But other than that, no foul. I thought he was very, very rude to to the Hulkster. And this is a moment in time where it is more fragile. And so you're like, you're being a dickhead. You know, what's so funny. You hate comedians so much that Scott, who has a black girlfriend still preferred Hulk Hogan over just a random comic <laughs> <dude> assaulted. <laughs> yeah, but he was with Mr. T that night, you know? Well, here's the, th- well, here's the thing, Dan, when you have a black girlfriend, you never have to worry about Hulk Hogan. <laughs> that, is, that is true. But something that I never saw that I did see this time is when they do come back from commercial, um, Hogan apologizes, you know, hey, look, he asked me to put a wrestling hold on him. I didn't know he was going to be that weak. The crowd gets mad that he said that. And he was like, no, no, I didn't mean offense or whatever. Um, But then they just Mr. T flips the switch and he because he's not worried about PR for WWF at the time. He's just 
he he's not a part of that machine, you know. So he's just like, hey, look, we were told sick kids were gonna be here, and then and then Hogan was like, Dan, did you see this part? I did see it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I had a I had a, I had a note about which Mr. T cuts a babyface promo, but because there's nobody to cheer, if a babyface fires up in the woods, did he really make a comeback? That was my yeah. And then, and then That's Hogan goes. Hogan's like, look, we, we want to be training. We don't want to be doing these interviews. They get super defensive. Hogan's like, we were told 50 crippled kids were going to be here. <laughs> this is like legit what he says. <laughs> then they cut. And then he's like, I know there's kids here and I'm glad you guys are here and I'm happy that I'm here. And it cuts to like these kids who aren't crippled, but they're ve- they're just as sad in the moment, you know? <laughs> okay so can i can i give yeah, you some yeah. context yes for sure all right so i went down a rabbit hole with this thing because this is one of those things that you see growing up as a wrestling fan bells are getting choked out i watched the entire episode beginning middle and end the show was called hot properties it was on the lifetime channel in 1985 this was March 20. So you're saying Belzer was never in consideration for Carson's spot. <laughs> no, <laughs> he wasn't even in consideration for Joan Rivers's Fox spot. Um, yeah. So this was, uh, this was March 27th. And um, the first 12 minutes is just Mr. T. And it is already like really combative. To the point where, you know, when you see a talk show and they like go to commercial and they have small talk, like T is not talking back to him. It's just completely one-sided. And and so I watched an interview with Belzer. What Belzer said was that the day of the interview, because Belzer's, you know, the show was like, hey, wrestling's hot right now. You got to have these guys on. We booked them. Mr. T's agent called the show two hours beforehand and said there need to be 50 sick kids in the audience or T isn't doing the show. They made that demand. So they went to a nearby school (laughs) as it was getting out and asked the kids if they would show up and watch the show. None of them were (laughs) sick. But because they, they they knew that T would not do the show if that wasn't the case. So when T gets there and in the show itself, T's whole thing is the only reason I'm here is because you told me sick kids would be here, which was orchestrated by his management. <laughs> now there's How did a you moment. Learn all this, huh? How did you know all this? I watched an interview with Belzer from '90, and this was right after the, the lawsuit. Like I, I did a deep dive. I won't give you all the details but what's amazing is that so five minutes in you know mr t's talking about how he's has a great image for the kids and belzer brings up the fact he's like yeah but isn't the a team really violent isn't wrestling violent and that's when t just gets really upset (laughs) then oh well that's kind of shitty yeah I, I heard I heard Mr. T wanted sick kids in the room because he needs to be the strongest person in every room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he actually gave his gold chain to one of the kids and it weighed the kid down. Uh, but then that's okay, why so, I only was at the Grizzly Pair. <laughs> so, but here's okay. So here's the best moment of the entire episode. So when they get back from commercial, this is this is before Hogan comes out. They do a call-in segment where people from around the country can ask Mr. T questions. The first question that's asked is from a woman who in Oregon who says, 
Yeah, I heard that you don't get along with women very well. Do you even have much of a romantic life? <laughs> and Mr. T's like, the one thing that Mr. T loves is the kids. <laughs> Mr. T loves children. And he gets like so upset. So you already have this high tension. Then Hogan comes out and Belzer is trying to get Hogan to explain what WrestleMania is to the audience. And Hogan sees it as him being a smart ass because Belzer's like, well, what's the issue going on? He's like, you haven't been paying attention, brother. <laughs> and he's like, clearly he is trying to help uh, Hogan and T. And so you have to watch the whole thing to realize that Hogan kind of was a dick here also. And the, and the last thing I'll say is according to Jim Cornette, reliable source that he is, the reason that, Belzer passed out so quickly was because he clearly was on cocaine. And when you have cocaine in your system, the blood goes to your brain faster and you pass out. Well, that's Dr. Not a, Jim Cornette. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. That's not, that's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, but it's like, that's absolutely true. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but you can, you can go on YouTube and uh, search hot properties uh, 1985, March 27th, and see the whole the whole thing is just bizarre. I mean, and- the strangest thing to me is I, I've never worked on a on a talk show before, but I would imagine that you would have mapped this out with a producer in advance yes. what's going to happen, and they would have said, "All right, we're going to do a, a move." When you could have easily set up a mat and had Hogan pick him up and, and body slam him, or something with some yeah. level of physicality, for Belzer to be that risky and just say oh we're gonna i'm gonna want you to do something to me now and it wasn't worked out in advance i don't know what he thought was necessarily going to happen well but belzer never i mean this is an interesting fact belzer did not write his sets out beforehand so uh this maybe is, he thought this, that this was this Dan. improv I, i'm just blaming belzer jay-z of Robert, what I my theory is that I think that this lawsuit and this segment led to shows mapping out stuff more that they never wanted a moment like this again because you're absolutely right like Conan would have Jackie Chan on doing kung fu moves and it's the most choreographed safe shit you've ever seen because they, they choreograph I was there when they brought Mr. T on and they choreographed the hell out of it because of this yeah so he had uh he won the lawsuit and he bought a house in France called Shea Hogan was the name of it <laughs> he's the best no. heel in wrestling I, I, hear, I love Belzer. I feel like that's where that's where Andre fucked Hogan's wife. <laughs> now, here is the last great moment in this story is that when they were making Suburban Commando, Richard Belzer was offered a part by the director who did not know the whole story. And Richard Belzer said, you know what? It sounds like a great idea. And I'd do it if it didn't star a guy who tried to kill me. <laughs> here's also here's also another thing that bell and then we'll, we'll but here's something that belzer said the next this is verbatim because i saw the clip because they played the clip of it on the next belzer episode next hot properties episode and uh belzer says i saw bill cosby today and he thought it was a hoax so it's, it's just like so 80s like it still does like nothing stands up uh, well, if anyone's mo- an expert on someone passing out, it's going to be Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie, what's the the most awkward thing you've seen like on a, on a show? Not like a wrestling, but like one of those daytime or whatever. What an enormous oh. question! I know, I know, yes. I know. 
I'm sorry. The craziest thing you ever saw on the TV besides the second Probably. plane hitting the tower. <laughs> Speaking of hoaxes. <laughs> I know, you can't really beat that. They played that on MTV when it happened. So I Kurt think, Loder um, told us. Um, uh, probably any episode of Maury growing up where they have like oh, yeah. the kids that not the like p paternity test ones, but they brought some fucked up, like physically fucked up kids. They're like, up oh, next, this kid has toes for fingers. Oh yeah, and then, uh, <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> they'd have you a whole fat like, baby episode. And the they'd be like, he's baby. eating the microphone. Look, he's chewing on the microphone <laughs> yes. in the corner. Can we get this? Can we get this footage? So you, you know probably what? all of those. You know one they used to have on Maury was they'd bring out someone and you'd have to guess if it was a man or a woman. That shit don't <laughs> hold up anymore. <laughs> they'd be like, Plus. what is it? Next Plus. up on yes. Maury. <laughs> and they're like, up next, we reveal the gender of this fucking freak. <laughs> that would, yeah, well, that would be such a, that would be such a, um, like a a, a, a a woke snowflake prank show. It's like you bring them on. Is it a man or a woman? And then they try to answer. It's like, gender is irrelevant, you fucking asshole. And the trap door opens and you like land with, uh, I don't know, fucking the guy who created Buffy. I don't know who's down there. The, the, the best, the best, oh, yeah. the best Maurice segments were the scared straight ones where they take the the uh, angry teens to the funeral home and the caskets have put dummies of them. And yeah. <laughs> that oh, even though they yeah. don't look anything like the kids, they have to be like, Oh no, that could be me. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, like Christmas Carol vibes when the nightmare yeah. before, like the future ghost comes, yeah. he's like, Oh, this could be you Scrooge, but it's an 11 year old who lost her virginity in a car. <laughs> Brain just a shattered at Scrooge. Yeah, Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to number two. This is a new segment every week. You've heard of Dark Side of the Ring. Well, this segment's called Bright Side of the Ring. We've done it once before, but it's a little different this time. Uh, for this segment, we are going to put over the person we're about to roast. We're going to actually talk about uh, some things that they did well. And it's actually very easy with our number two uh the person that we're roasting today, and that is uh, Ronda Rousey. Everybody, bright side of the ring, Ronda Rousey. Um, very, she's a very easy person to um, to get behind. She redefined the sport. Had the best, I think, had the best debut wrestling match in history. What do you think? Is there anybody who has a better debut wrestling match? Richard Belzer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pat McAfee. I, I would say now I think Ronda's I think that match is better than the Pat McAfee. Well, the, I mean, because it's mania and you know, so the visual. Yeah, Matt, Matt, Maddie, doing. what are your thoughts on Ronda? So I don't know much of her. I'm honored to be on an episode where we're doing the girl, where we're ro roasting the girl. <laughs> it's, um, not true. Be... <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> oh, sorry, she's not a is she a boy or is she a girl? <laughs> Up next. <laughs> um you look, I only you, know Maddie, I... you're the funniest person that is still willing to do the show. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I only read her Wikipedia before coming on this. I, I didn't know anything about her. I thought she was uh, a NASCAR driver, if I'm going to be honest, uh, before two days ago. Is <laughs> yeah. there a NASCAR driver that's similar to her or no? There is a woman who's very close to her. Danica yeah. Patrick, I think you're thinking oh, of. Oh, yeah. I think I'm thinking of her. So Ronda yeah. Rousey, she just, you know, reminds me of someone who challenges you to a, a push-up competition when you're drunk. And you're like, I don't want to. 
And she's like, no, come on, do it. That's what she reminds me of. Just always showing off her yoked out fucking arms. But I don't know anything about her. Other than she dated Brendan Schaub. She did. Um, Robert, did you, were you a UFC guy? Are you ever, or are you a UFC guy now? Or is that just- No, you know, it was never a big UFC guy. Um, I, I worked in boxing briefly before working in wrestling. And my biggest issue with MMA and boxing is there's no guarantee that you're going to get a good match or you're going to get a good fight or you're going to get a good show. And they tend to be very long. And at least with growing up being a wrestling fan, even if it's predetermined, you're guaranteed to get a good match. And I think some of the worst wrestling pay-per-views are better than some of the best UFC fights simply because you don't know what you're getting going into it. You might get a, a great fight with an amazing knockout, or you're just going to get guys circling around each other for, for several rounds. I and mean, I think- I've had so much more offense. I mean, I'm so much more fun watching UFC, though, than like random in your houses, you know? Well, that's where that's where you and I differ, because yeah. watching a Doink the Clown match is a lot better than watching Daniel Cormier. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I think UFC is fine. Ronda Rousey was was very she was she was lightning in a bottle for UFC. And she was the first time where you really had a, a, a female fighter take center stage, not just because she was the top woman, because she was the top fighter in UFC. Uh, Misha Tate got some some eyes on it, but Ronda Rousey was legitimately one of the most recognizable people on the planet from from an athletic standpoint, a great NASCAR driver, but a recognizable (laughs) celebrity. And the fact that she was a huge WWE fan and entered this world was 10 times bigger than than what Bad Bunny is doing now. I mean, I I mean, absolutely. And and that was huge. So for, for that and that alone, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Ronda Rousey for loving pro wrestling and saying, this is what I'm going to go do. And she put her heart into it for a year. And, uh, and, and like her fights were Tyson fights in the sense that like, that's, you know, it was an event. You bought them. You wanted to see the Ronda fight. You wanted to see who she was going to demolish kind of similar to why you buy Nunes fights now. But I mean, you know, even though Amanda Nunes is a way better fighter, she's not half the draw that Ronda is. Uh, and that, you know, part, part of that is just that like, you know, English is Rhonda's first language. It can do more media. Um, but, uh, yeah, Mike, what do you, what do you think of Rhonda before we uh, take out the shovels? <laughs> I remember being at the stand comedy club one night and, um, a lot of the comics there love MMA. And so they had it playing on, on, uh, the screens and this, like this group of girls, um was just like once Rhonda fighting it was it was the night that she was fighting holly home and they like they didn't really care about mma but they cared about her because like Rhonda really did bring in that new audience i think Rhonda even made wwe step up the quality of their women's division because they saw that this was a viable audience and i remember those girls being like yeah when's Rhonda gonna fight and then we all huddled around when the fight happened and when she got beat, it was just like, well, there goes that. It was like that Simpsons when when Bart's the I didn't do it boy, and he he says I didn't do it at the end, and no one laughs. Like yeah, it, it was like, it, it, it and it was like even though another woman beat her, it did feel like women lost that night. <laughs> it was like, it but she's the star. They're not going to push Holly, right. so it was kind of over for the ladies. I love the idea of the WWE realizing like white women are a new market 
and yeah. being like, how do we market to them? Should we here, do a brunch show? Here, here's the thing, Maddie. In I want to say it was in 2014 or 2015. Uh, the title was called the Divas title. And at that WrestleMania, they made the big announcement that they were changing the name to the women's title. Oh, I see. Yeah. And now, yes. and now that shitty Divas. butterfly title is the New Japan World title. So congratulations, <laughs> Scott. Um, well, I think we said en- enough nice stuff about Ronda Rousey. First, first ballot. Nice about her. I think she's first a very good person, she seems like. And it must be very stressful and very conflicting. And I'm sure it's a lot to be her. And oh boy, do I respect that. Here, here's the, <laughs> what are you, you worried she's going to come after you, Scott? He, he doesn't want to be written up in uh, in one of these comedy uh, lady funny blogs. No, those, those ladies hate. They probably hate her, right? I would assume they hate her because they go, she's competing in a thing that men think is um, makes you special to be brutal. That doesn't make a person special. You know, that's a dumb guy idea. Do you get it? Of course you don't. You're fucking dumb men and Maddie. <laughs> what's the difference? Come on, guys. That's right, folks. Scott reads fucking books, only feminist here. Yeah. And he put in almost a year of college. You're getting a real <laughs> hot take here. Yeah, man. Do you know how many books this guy uh, <laughs> read about by Judy Gold? Or at least over ten. Come on. You know. You know what? I because I was doing research and I genuinely I feel like she's happy now. Like I watched a video of her and her husband on a farm where she's getting sad about the cow that she's befriended that she has to kill to eat. But it's like, they seem like they have like a pretty decent life. Like, I think yeah, like, also that's a fetish. You don't have to buy a cow and kill it. You fucking nut job. Go to Trader yeah, get Joe's. Scott to do it for you. Scott <laughs> will is. happily kill your cow. Yeah, I've never killed an animal. Degree. Mike, to your point, she's happy the way Thanos is happy at the end of infinity war. She's sitting <laughs> like, she has wiped out two sports. And she says, I'm going to sit on a farm and I'm going to eat some fruit and life is good. But Robert, the difference it's... between Thanos and Ronda Rousey is they did aim for the head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess we, we got to start with this goddamn rose. M- Maddie, thank you for joining us. You get to choose whenever you want to go in the lineup. What where do you want to go? What what place do you want to go? I'm going to go. For, for a little further toward the end you guys okay all right <laughs> yeah 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 all right so zach you uh with that in mind uh feel free to pick the order zach let's have scott go first you son go. of a gun all right i also i mean i knew she was Wait, the, the roast fight. of ronda rousey everybody the roast of ronda rousey Dan. ding ding <laughs> fight uh I love you guys can hear me, right? I feel like my mic is yeah. fucked up. Okay, yeah, I, agree. All right. uh, I do love Ronda Rousey, but her being UFC's top female star feels like a studio decision. And by that, I mean somewhere there's a Snyder cut with more focus on Cyborg. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, before Ronda Rousey, the most famous female fighter was Bjork in an airport. <laughs> a close second the cash me outside girl <laughs> ronda rousey's performance in furious seven is the biggest car wreck of the series the worst actor in a movie starring the worst actors <laughs> I, I i legitimately related more to the cars uh matter of fact that's the only way her acting is justified if she thought she was playing the role of a car and it would be edited in post <laughs> 
like beep beep vroom vroom sounded more human than her lines. Like Vin Diesel's <laughs> GPS conveyed more emotion than her. <laughs> <laughs> CGI Paul Walker brought more life to the screen. <laughs> 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 Rhonda is the Amelia Earhart of actresses uh, in the sense that she gets completely fucking lost <laughs> after her first UFC loss the carpets truly did match the drapes bloody I don't know what that means uh, at home a triangle choke is when her husband <laughs> she got punched in the face on her period yeah she, <laughs> they they Dana White would time up the UFC fights with, <laughs> with her menstrual cycle to get her extra, you know, to get me extra sexist. And that's all. Uh, Ronda Rousey's great grandfather was black. You guys know that, right? Ronda, uh, yeah, he was, he was black. Something, something, something. So that's why after the Holmes fight, I thought she looked like Rihanna. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, is, is Ronnie's great grandfather black, or did you see a photo of Roddy Piper in blackface? <laughs> She's the first black female wrestler to headline WrestleMania. <laughs> After finding out, Becky Lynch said, You know, the Irish were slaves too. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's all I had. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's have uh, Robert go next. Hey, thanks. Um, uh, Ronda Rousey is legitimately tough. I'm convinced even her vagina has knuckles. <laughs> Ronda's UFC and WWE in career in ring careers were impressive. She made more women tap than Bob Fosse. <laughs> Ronda's great grandfather was black, which means she has a shot with Brooke Hogan, and there's not a damn thing Hulk can do about it. <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper gave Ronda his leather jacket, but unfortunately not his personality. She has the in-ring technique of a 20-year vet and the incoherent promo skills of a 30-year boxer. <laughs> Ronda made Stephanie McMahon tap at WrestleMania, which is the hardest Vince ever came. <laughs> Ronda's husband, Travis Brown, subdued an attacker who tackled Bret Hart at the Hall of Fame. Hart thanked him before spending 20 minutes telling him how his technique was wrong. Ronda Rousey competed in the Olympics as a judoka, which definitely sounds like an anti-Semitic Pokemon character. <laughs> <laughs> Ronda Rousey was a UFC sensation. She debuted at WrestleMania, worked a part-time schedule, and retired her after doing only one job while headlining WrestleMania. She's one marriage to Rena Mara away from becoming the new Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and finally, Ronda Rousey left the WWE to start a family with her husband. But it turns out you can't get pregnant from pegging. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, you're up next. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the roast of Ronda Rousey's. Ronda's mom used to wake her up with arm bars, which proves my theory that behind every great man, there's a great woman. And behind every great woman, there's a CPS caseworker not doing their job. <laughs> she's the joe jackson of giving her daughter cte <laughs> Rhonda almost died from an umbilical cord around her neck which i'm pretty sure is the only way jerry lawler can come <laughs> she asked roddy piper for his nickname which is nice but so unnecessary sting didn't ask heath ledger's parents to let him play the joker and not just because he's in hell for brokeback mountain <laughs> she 
She was called Miss Man in high school, which caused Cyberg to sue her for stealing her gimmick. Uh, then Rhonda, then Rhonda stole Mama Cass's gimmick in her last two fights when she fucking choked. <laughs> she uh, went on Ellen to say she's suicidal. Is Ellen the right place for that? That's like going on the chew to let us know you were molested, and not just because the guy who did it was Mario Batali. <laughs> She endorsed uh, Bernie Sanders and believes 99% of the wealth is controlled by 1% of the population, which coincidentally is the percentage of offense she got in with Amanda Nunes. Uh, some, sometimes I think she's hot as shit. Sometimes I think she looks like Tommy Pickles with fetal alcohol syndrome. Uh, she has, she has the meat. She has the same mean face as Miss Marshall after finding out they can't go to the cheesecake factory because Lee Johnson's check bounced. <laughs> if if you haven't if you haven't seen any of Rhonda's acting work, all I'll say is she really makes you appreciate the guy that plays Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> and her wrestling promos are what would happen if Roderick Strong fucked the brother and there's something about Mary. Um, she dated Brendan Shaw, but wanted to be with a guy who made her laugh. Uh, <laughs> Ronda Rousey voiced the role of Sonya Blade in the new Mortal Kombat. Sonya Blade's new fatality will be Ronda Rousey reading the role of Sonya Blade. <laughs> Ronda's act, I think, Mike, this was your joke, but Ronda's acting style is method in the sense that you have to be a meth head to enjoy it. Uh, she's never been submitted. The rear naked joke is tough. The Ronda naked joke uh, is uh, how things will end with her and Travis Brown. <laughs> Also, uh, shout out to Patrick Swayze's ghost for stopping her from ruining Roadhouse. Tell Heath Ledger I said hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for me. All right, uh, Mike. Oh, Maddie, do you want to go or no? Second I'll go, last I'll go next. Okay. I think Mike's going to do better than me, so let's close strong and let's. I'll do a little guest spot. Here we go. <laughs> I uh, I don't know why Dan told me exactly what it was, and I didn't. Uh, but I have jokes. Okay, so let's go. Rhonda. Rhonda Rousey. Um, okay, you know when you, like, crush a beer can on your head at a party? And you're like, yeah, that beer can. That's Rhonda's body type. Just, like, crushed, you know? Just flattened. And I love it. Um, Rhonda looks like a bartender who will kick you out for ordering a non-alcoholic drink. <laughs> Murdering. <laughs> Um, okay, Rhonda announced one. I don't know if you guys remember. She announced she was vegan once one year, but she was like, but sometimes I eat a dick in the ring. <laughs> oh, I think she's too good for that joke, right? That's more of a Ric Flair's daughter type of joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. For the first seven years. Am I screaming into the mic right now? I feel like it's no, I you said good. Oh, okay, cool. Um, for the first seven years, Rhonda couldn't speak. She couldn't speak at all. And after a career in wrestling, probably the last 50 years, too. <laughs> <laughs> Crushing it. Um, she, Rhonda looks like she gives fat people unsolicited diet advice. <laughs> Rhonda was called, you said she was called Miss Man in high school, to which she said, it's Mr. Man to you. <laughs> 
<laughs> you guys don't have to pity laugh at me. This is <laughs> I can hear the individual. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, the edible kicked in. The edible kicked in. <laughs> yeah, mine did two, two hours ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's been kicking in for the last three weeks. <laughs> um. Okay, one more. I'm sorry it's so short. I feel like I fucked up. I feel no, like it's I'm fine. Oh, you did great. Your mind. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Uh, none of us are paying you for this. It's fine. And you so weren't true. the worst. And I. <laughs> 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 I usually get paid so much on an MTV show. So. <laughs> <laughs> Humiliating for me. Uh, okay, and on probably the worst joke ever. Great strategy, Maddie. Rhonda was accused of domestic abuse, which was her ex's way of saying he couldn't be with a strong, beautiful woman. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Fake. Believe all men. Okay, thank you, guys. That's my time. Rhonda, I'm sorry for what I said. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Maddie. That was great. <laughs> Maddie Smith, everybody. And, 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 and rounding out the, the, the lineup, season one roast battle champion, also, he's from Reality Bedroom. Mike Lawrence. <laughs> uh, Rhonda had a very obsessive mother that pushed her towards greatness. She's basically what would happen if John Bonet Ramsey was taught self defense instead of being a beauty queen, which is why she's still alive. <laughs> she was born with a speech disorder that she overcame. The only time it comes back is whenever she's front of a in front of a camera or a microphone. She was a one-hit wonder because all it took was one hit to make her wonder why she ever got into MMA. Oh. She's like Jericho's list of 1,004 holds from WCW if it was also a bad actress. Armbar, armbar, fight scene with the show Rodriguez and Furious 7, armbar. <laughs> He's amazing. Do you know how impressive it is to be the worst part of Entourage? <laughs> you know, maybe acting isn't for you if you're being carried through every scene by Johnny Drama. Uh, her acting offends me more than Gina Carano's tweets. She's different than most actresses in Hollywood because she can't act and didn't need a plastic surgeon to have her face rearranged. <laughs> Some people find her attractive, but honestly, I wouldn't fuck her with Chris Cyborg's dick. Uh, <laughs> after losing the Holly home, Rhonda went on Ellen and cried. Ellen played a clip of the fight and said, the last time I saw someone take that kind of abuse was when an intern dared to tell me that Starbucks was out of soy milk. <laughs> She did what any disgraced athlete would do and joined the WWE because one sports trash is sports entertainment's treasure. She got the Olympic pedigree of Kurt Angle, the athleticism of Charlotte Fair, and the speaking voice of Brock Lesnar. Uh, Ronda really thrived in an environment where she could just ask her opponent, hey, do you mind not actually kicking me in the face? Okay, thanks. Uh, when she got into WWE, she looked the same as she did in her last two fights because she had two giant black eyes. Maybe she was just honoring her legit fighter roots by looking like one of Floyd Mayweather's girlfriends. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's happily married now to Travis Brown. They seem like the kind of couple that would run over a deer and give it to you as a wedding present. <laughs> Seriously, he looks like he jizzes in the shape of an affliction shirt design. Ronda Rousey is big on Twitch. Twitch is also something she instinctively does whenever someone mentions Amanda Nunez. <laughs> she had a successful she has a successful career streaming games on twitch hey was she a one-dimensional fighter yes was she a terrible actress sure did she lack the natural charisma to be a good professional wrestler a hundred percent but playing pokemon for a bunch of simps that's where she really shines 
<laughs> that when she, she breaks people's arms, it's because they're jerking off to her playing too much bubble bobble. <laughs> That's it for me. Yeah, you can't Ooh. follow bubble bobble. Can't do it. It's just too good of a word. Thank you, uh, Maddie, for doing this. What can we? Uh, what can we promote for you? Oh, thank you for having me. Um, did you guys change the name on this podcast, by the way? It, it is now it... Wrestle Roasts. Yes, I, think I was thinking. Oh, it's different than total F and marks, but it's, oh yeah, it's... we have uh, we have hundreds new listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we have well, we have hundred new listeners. <laughs> we have hundred new listeners. <laughs> hundreds, I... great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm on all so Maddie Smith across the board, and I got a podcast called That Time of the Week, and that's it, guys. Thank you. Um, that time. What is that in reference to? That time of the week. It's a podcast. Yeah, it's like sense. that time of the month, but it's the week with all, it's it's the, all girls. You're like, but I get my period 52 times a year. I <laughs> grew yeah, up next to a power order. plant. <laughs> <laughs> I am originally from Chernobyl. Have you heard of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or or if you don't get yours at all, you're probably Ronda Rousey. All right. <laughs> exactly. All right, Ma- Maddie, thank you. Rhonda, thank you thank for you changing guys. the sport of women's fighting. <laughs> Thanks, wim- women. Thank you, women. <laughs> that's right. that's how you have to roast. Uh, that's how you have to do it. You you just you roast them like men, but you, then at the very end you go, yes, strong. Yeah, yeah you call your mom. Girl boss. Yeah, call your mom. <laughs> Tell her she's a whore. Her All right, guys. <laughs> All right, so thank you so much, Maddie. See you Maddie. You guys, bye. Maddie Smith, everybody. Maddie Smith. Uh, let me do a little bit of business um, next week. At this time, we will be doing the roast of Hulk Hogan, and it's not just—it's uh, not just us, folks. Oh no, we're going to have Brian Moses, who is the host of the Comedy Central Roast Battle, and we're going to have Benji Afalo. You know him from Alone Together. We're also that week going to be doing New Jack on Patreon, and the following week uh, we're going to be doing Shawn Michaels with Eli Sayers. So a lot of big episodes coming up. This Sunday, uh, this Saturday, sorry, I'm sorry. Well, this Monday, whenever we record it, this Monday, we will be reviewing Pro Wrestling's Secrets Exposed. Uh, we will be putting like a link to the YouTube, uh, the um, a link to the, U- the YouTube link of the show so you guys can see it. It's a blast, man. It is, it is Fox at its most. This whole thing seems like it was like produced by the same people that like or art designed by the same people who did Richard Belzer's show. It's a very Fox, (laughs) like, 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 uh, like, 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 uh, real, every single, like everything you love about nineties Fox is in this. Uh, I watched it. I took notes. I loved it. You got to check it out. I'm excited. I watched it when it aired. And so I haven't (laughs) gone back. Like it was, it's like, I picture this, the magic reveal and the alien autopsy is just one show. But I even (laughs) remember seeing it then it was like, the stuff they were revealing was like the carny tricks from like the sixties and not stuff that even existed anymore. And if, I mean, we'll talk about it in there, but if memory serves me correct, I think Harley race was involved in this too. Yes, he is. They do a really good, they do a really good job of hiding his identity. (laughs) He is the, the booker and um, here's, here's podcasting secrets revealed. We could edit Dan's intros, but we don't. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I, I picked this. um, I, I watched this one. Mike is host. Mike is hosting this weekend. So now we're going to really have some, some quick hosting. 
<laughs> you just wait. You just wait. Wait till how witty this motherfucker is doing this. It show was business. 1998, April of 1998. It was raining out. <laughs> April showers bring May flowers. Oh, and, and also as a, as another plug for next week's show, because for show in hell, this was one that I threw out there. I was going to plug it earlier on Belzer, but we we had to speed up to that that dynamite roast. Was um, next week we're going to be watching, and I encourage you to watch this in advance. It's Vince McMahon on Letterman promoting SummerSlam is one of the best uh, four minutes that you will spend next week. Uh, I recommend you check it out before we talk about it next week. What, what year is that? Man. That is 1989, I believe. Oh, shit. Oh, I'm excited. So that's the no, hold bar, no Holds Barred stuff. I oh, believe man. that that's, he's promoting No Holds Barred, and he's promoting the fight. And I, if you thought Belzer was snarky about pro wrestling, <laughs> um, get, get Let, ready. Letterman used to love uh, Bobby, though. So Letterman was, loved Heenan and he grew up with like Dick the Bruiser, but then he just he hated the wrestlers at that time because like Belzer's snarkiness in 85 made sense because you had to pretend that wrestling was real and you lose your credibility. It's like interviewing Kermit the Frog and pretending you're talking to a real person. Um, and so everybody does that. They, <laughs> well, with Kermit, they do with with like wrestlers. They, they, they all want to be like, come on. We, we know this is all bullshit. And, and Belzer did that to a degree. But there Dude. was one point on the Belzer one where he, he moved back and he was like, you know, when you were in the WWF before, you were a bad guy and now you're a good guy. Like he tried to bring it back into kayfabe. And he's like, well, I was working with Freddie Blassie. And, you know, it, it so Belzer tried a little bit. Letterman, you'll see. That's awesome. And Scott, um, this did not air in April. It aired on November 1st, 1998 on NBC. <laughs> <laughs> The day after Halloween, and the company, and the company that made it, Nash Entertainment. I know Mike wow. has a laptop, but I still imagine him with like one of those old tidy candle wicks, like when he gets his dates. You know, I did. I did not just research that; I memorized it from yeah. last week. It's actually tattooed on him. <laughs> no, you've got the Mary Lou Henner thing where you can remember every single day of your life. Like I had a sandwich; it was a pastrami that day. It was very tasty, lean meat. Hell of a show, uh, followed by an episode of Martin. Dan, uh, Dan, I did not have it tattooed on me. Uh, my back knee just formed into the dates. <laughs> uh, that's the, cr the creepiest constellations in the world. <laughs> no, no, number uh, four, QT Anon. Ah, uh, yeah. This needed its in, this needed its own number, folks. We're not just gonna we're not just gonna cue all the uh, all, all the the latest hottest QT happenings in another segment. No, QT's getting his own segment. Wow. Um, I, I mean, I'll start out. <laughs> he should get his own bracket of the Patreon at this point. I yeah. think $10. <laughs> $10. $10, you just get to go in a room and slap him in the face. This is, <laughs> this, this is genuinely, and I said this to Robert, I said this to you, Scott, I said this to Mike. This is one of the most shocking things I've ever seen in wrestling uh, because it is, we, we made jokes about Cody thinking uh, that he is, that he can make everybody. And then he's John Cena. John Cena would never in his life think that he could get this over. It is absolutely fascinating. Robert, you're a resident QT expert uh, you saw you hadn't seen this by the time I texted you. Uh, tell me, tell me what your thoughts are. 
So yeah, you guys were all texting about this while it was going on. I did live. not. I I have not said a word about it yet. So I I watched it today, and I I honestly, in my wildest fantasies and dreams, if I had a monkey's paw, I could not come up with something as amazing as what I saw in AEW <laughs> Dynamite, where they gave QT this match with where they gave him no entrance, and I'm like, all right, they're really laying it on thick and not realizing that Cody's coming across as a heel. And then this match happens where the ring is surrounded by the nightmare family and all these people. And then it turned into QT Marshall is now the top heel in AEW, which makes me. Oh, that's ridiculous. That is not what happened. He is the top. That was crazy. What he just did. You see how he jumped from stating facts to just a lie. That's well, that is, that's a little, that's a little. We don't do that on this podcast. We're friends here. He laid out Dustin. <laughs> That's right. Blood. He laid out Cody. He left. We left on our waist. He's now the leader of a stable, which is very rare in AEW for there to be a stable. Uh, <laughs> this was the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen. And either QT definitely helped Cody hide a body. And Tony <laughs> Khan is so scared of saying no to Cody. Like, he's just like, okay, fine. Like, can we still be friends? We, your, your buddy can, can get this, uh, this was so weird. How how was this a thing on television that that Dude. got greenlit? Where it was like this could have been. He smacks him around. QT leaves. Instead, he's the leader of a stable. Here's, here's, here's what really wait needs wait to wait. Be. I want to give I want to give Scott the first first shot. Of okay. This. I think the real issue is I, I I would like all of you to speak before I speak, um, because. I think it worked. It did work in that oh, night. Oh no! no. In that, it did. In that night, it worked. No. It did. No, no, Dude, no. I, I know you guys are having fun. I don't think. QG's but listen, this is an important deal. moment. This is an important moment for the podcast because what it did, if you don't blow it out of proportion, right? It did a the best case scenario it could have been. Literally, the best case scenario is that guy having a faction with where other guys could shine and not him in a ring, right? It's probably going to be on elevation often. Uh, it made sense. Uh, in the match, he absolutely sucked, like planned. Like they mapped it out where he got no offense in. He looked like a sucker. He punched Anderson. That looked good. And the attack looked legit. Every spot during that attack looked awesome besides when uh, Red Velvet came out. Then I said, okay, what are we doing here? This is wrong. But <laughs> before that, it all worked. Um, and this is a company that has factions. It's they're only on their second year. They need factions right now because that's the quickest way to find stars and then start pushing those stars. So in year three and four, you push the guys who make it in the smaller factions. This is business. I'm not a, expecting a bunch of buffoons to understand. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to get YouTube views here, people. Mike, Let's Mike. go. Uh, you, I mean, Scott has been conned. K A H N E D. No, I haven't. It no, what? What? Mike talk. What? Mike talk. Okay. Let me. Let me. Turns let me. therapy very quickly. You but say quickly your remember, piece. And... Quickly remember, Mike. He's one of the one of the best writers. Will always have a job in writing, which is very rare. Uh, terrible taste, though. Terrible taste. <laughs> that's not. That's that's not true. It's a million percent true. Scott, Mike has the talking stick. You Nerd. respect that. <laughs> Scott, Scott's, Scott's right. I do have terrible taste. This is why I had him open for me. Uh, <laughs> no, QT down, QT down. <laughs> you're, you're my, you're my QT, bitch. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, okay, so here's, here's my problem with this, uh, Scott, is that 
they ended this in a no contest, okay? To protect QT Marshall so that he wouldn't take a pinfall and to protect Cody. And then let me just finish. Let me just finish. Think of all the times in this company where they've had clean finishes, where guys who maybe shouldn't have lost like Pac or Phoenix or, or Penta or Page or even Omega, guys in, you know, competitive back and forth matches, MJF against Moxley, that easily could have ended in a no contest and MJF could still be undefeated. But no, the yes. one time you pull a fuck finish is to help Doofus McGoofus. No. No, it's not to help him. See, the, here's the problem when you guys talk about AEW is you, you're, you're associating it with the history of WWE and all the times it's fucked you in the ass and you just think it's part of it. it it's its own history. It's its own thing. So QT, it's not a funky finish. It's even when these guys you like lose, it's because they can fucking wrestle. QT is so bad. He's the one <laughs> guy in AEW that had to get a DQ and get the fuck out of there. It's awesome. He sucks, and that's how they're playing it. But, but the thing, Scott, is that they haven't really done much to establish him as Cody's friend on the main program. He's definitely been with, he's definitely been with Dustin a lot more as a tag team. You haven't seen him a lot with Cody and then like these three jabronis that he's in a faction with you haven't featured them on TV you had all these nightmare family and factory people in the school they don't focus enough on it so I don't give a shit um the reason that we're calling it QT Anon is whether or not there's a conspiracy to push QT Marshall and AEW or whether or not this is about Cody's ego or does QT have something more embarrassing on Cody than that neck tattoo? If, <laughs> if, if he does, that's the only like, here's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, there's gotta like, be a swastika on the dick. I think and I want to give the, I want to give the floor to Robert for a second, but the one thing I got to disagree with you, Scott, like I agree with you on the sense that it, the play wasn't bad. Like the actual angle itself and how it was constructed was totally fine. It was actually totally fine. The problem was the players, like you're giving, <laughs> you're, and that's not the play, it's the players. You're giving all these guys, like who we've never heard of besides Dustin and Cody, uh, like coat, they're literally trying to give like eight guys the rub. It's, well, no, it's I know. I don't think it's the rub. I think they're trying to give them an opportunity to shine in, in a moment. I mean, there's no rub. It's just a cool thing happened. And the moves they delivered looked awesome. I saw them and I went, oh, I want to see them again. That one here, guy here's looks the real thing. legit. Yeah, you know he did. The... Dan fell in love with the fucking no, overlooking I... guy. You know now, it. No, no, not no. the overlooking guy. The guy who was the boxing champ. He looked, he looked really he good. Looked, yeah, dude, they was... all looked great. But dude, now, they Scott, all looked, just Scott, me, I like... There was like a bizarro, sorry. There was like a bizarro Ricky Starks. There was like, there was like, it just reminded me of like, Wait, they just did this with the pinnacle a couple weeks ago, and it was awesome. Like, why does there? Why does this segment need to? Well, they they did every do week. it with the pinnacle. Dan, Dan, they this do this with like the next. pinnacle fifteen minutes after this segment. <laughs> I just the, feel like okay, they didn't. Okay, you're right. It wasn't the same thing as the pinnacle, but I think it should have been definitely farther apart as far as both no, of those angles. No, no, no. Well, well, no, because here's the thing: you kill it quick. That's the best thing about QT's feuds. They don't end it fucking. Uh, double or nothing. Please, God, don't end a double or nothing. <laughs> you just jinxed it. <laughs> so it's it seems more acceptable. You're it's not the rub. It's you're giving these guys more shine, and let's see who comes out of it. 
it's really smart. I think there should be more factions. And also, There's I way mean, too many guys that are trying to get shine within this one show, Scott. I know we're not we're not going segment by segment, but well, it's all they have they, right now. But the, and they're right, doing the a great job. Is, I mean, are you exhausted when you watch it, or do you love it? Because I'm pretty sure they had an awesome show last night, and nobody complained. Scott, the second, it, the second hour was fantastic. Was, the, the QT, QT versus Cody will main event because nothing is also in the title. <laughs> It'll be double and nothing. Yeah, double and nothing. <laughs> Bunch of you're, tag you're matches and then this thing. You're busy trying to promote like Cesar Bononi and that whole group of nobodies oh. in one segment. Then not only one one stable of no one's coming out of this, but two, because there's also Billy Gunn's random children and whoever else is part of the Nightmare family and who's not part of the Nightmare family. There's 800 stables. I get why you need stables. I don't get why you need 800 people on your TV. The, the payoff, Scott, to your point, this is the best that this story could have gone with QT Marshall. The problem is I don't want to see it on TV Again, and AEW, good, bad, or indifferent, there's rarely segments where it's like, I really don't want to fucking watch this. There's a lot of that on Raw. There's in the whole Seamus Drew friendship story was, I want to fast forward through this. I don't care. Very rarely am I watching AEW where I don't care. It's usually a strong emotion one way or the other. This is as bland and forgettable as QT. Out and, and out in no, that's not true. I, I, I think every, I think it, I think it came off good. I, I don't see how it's bland. It wasn't bland. Every move looked nuts. It wasn't bland. This is, this is QT's face too. is bland. I I think that the idea of factions you're not you're not theoretically wrong, but I definitely think that there is an excess. And the problem is they think what what AEW thinks is that just being on screen matters, but it doesn't. It's what you do. So when you put these guys in factions who then don't do anything or haven't been established at all, it still makes them look like losers. And sometimes it has the reverse effect of bringing the whole faction down. Like Hook hasn't done anything in Team Taz. Like he literally was looking on his phone the entire time during Taz's promo. Hobbs hasn't done anything. They have all these people that well, they done, No, Hook has done stuff in, in, in He hasn't Tech. talked once. He hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't supposed to be looking at his phone. He's, this he's feels supposed a lot to be like, like a teenager. I don't think that's a great example. This this teen like, group. Yeah. He's teen group, Mike. Do you get it now? Right. Yeah, this feels like when WWE word. had when they had the Disciples of Apocalypse, Los Bariquas, and the Truth Commission, and you couldn't name who any of these guys were. It was just, we have people on TV and we're hoping someone's going to get over when they have talent that they should be focusing on and putting forward. And instead, they're wasting valuable TV time on the QT crew. And we're going to see them for the next several weeks. I don't really care the story of you know Aaron Solo or whatever his name is. I'm sure he's got a tremendous backstory. I don't have enough bandwidth to learn who all these new people are. We're still also trying to care about Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, who are now merging into one person because they both want to get a push. And Frankie Kazarian, who's like, I desperately want my shot at the at the top. And then nothing comes of it. There's there's too much of the same. And everyone knows why QT is getting TV time and he doesn't warrant it. And I think that's where the anger comes from. You want to put him on elevation, put him on elevation. Don't put them as front and center on your on your top show, laying out your your number one guy. Here's why I thought it was shocking. It's because like a lot of how that was produced, especially like 
when QT was on the steel steps and him turning around was very good. Like how you, as, as far as like how you have a stable form and turn on a stable in a lot of ways, I thought like, like blocking wise, it was, it was even more impressive than when, you know, MJF started his own stable. Uh, it's just that like, we can't, you just can't just pick a random wrestler and think it's like QT, QT can't make faces. He cannot express like good <laughs> or bad emotions. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to be a dick here. He cannot, he has the same. No, like, you said the same thing about me and it's true. Yeah. No, it's no, like I mean, my, it's literally Bobby Lashley. He lacks the charisma of Matt Hardy and his on, stable. Scott, facial expressions in terms of facial expressions. But look at his body. And, and Bobby well, I know. He's a god. Better. He's a god. And, and, and Lashley has way better facial expressions than QT. At least, like, like yeah, maybe speaking voice, but, like, facial expressions? Come on, man. I can't. You can't argue no. that. No, okay, both of their faces do nothing for me, Dan. Here's something <laughs> yes, I want to ask. Bobby Lashley is better. I'll go on record. <laughs> Here, here's something that I want to ask you, Scott, is that Okay, the red velvet of it. Let's let's stir it up for yes, a sec. Yes. Okay. Now, has Cody convinced himself that this woman is also his wife? Because here's the thing. That segment actually works if it's Brandy. Because Brandy, you know, is his wife. You had that with the MJF thing. But just having red velvet come out and go, stop it. He's your friend. <laughs> Didn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, she's part of the Nightmare family. Uh so in that sense, it makes sense. And, and I would actually argue that if it, if, if it was like a white woman in the Nightmare family and she ran out, nobody would make the connection. So maybe it's you guys that are the problem. Yes, Scott, I win again. Scott, they literally, <laughs> they, literally did re, they literally did replace Brandy one week with her. So <laughs> Yes, but my hope is that well, this yes, that is ends with QT versus Cody, where if QT wins, he becomes godfather of the baby. That is my true hope that he somehow gets possession of this child or he is the forced godfather or guardian of this kid. And that is that is the God, payoff for this. Ma- imagine your parents dying in a car crash and then imagine, all right, QT's your dad now. Guys, like will, two will, giant bumps will, in a row. will it all be worth it if it's loser is it uh, has to go to elevation forever? Is that worth it? But then it would be Cody, right? He doesn't want to be there anymore. I think he's already done with the wrestling. Yeah. I mean, that's why that's why when Robert said that QT is now the biggest heel. I mean, I see what you're saying, Scott, where you're like, he isn't. I mean, Kenny's obviously the champion, but they really do want you to think that Cody is the biggest baby face. And therefore, anyone who attacks the biggest baby face should be seen as the biggest heel. Right. This is when Earthquake attacked Hogan, even though Warrior was champion. Unfortunately, this is a slightly less oh, Mike, Mike takes issue with that. <laughs> but hey, no, that hey. was true. Earthquake and Hogan were not feuding over the title. And there's a feud over just Hogan is a big star. The feud of Cody and QT is Cody thinks he can carry a segment and a feud on his own without a title, without anything being needed. And he went from feuding with Shaq to feuding with QT Marshall. I, I will yeah. argue that they don't think QT can carry it. That's why there's 15 other guys involved, including Arn Anderson. Well, also, uh, I, I didn't like that comparison, Robert, because Earthquake had a better haircut than QT. <laughs> and a happier wife. <laughs> they slept together sometimes. Well, also, right. also, Earthquake knew what he was, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Let's, let's, let's get to number, number uh, five, folks. Uh, it's a new segment. Instead of the traditional 
breaking down NXT, AEW. We all watch a lot of different wrestling, uh, and we all don't watch the same wrestling. So this week we're going to try three high spots, three low spots. Uh, Number five, three high spots. Uh, Everybody uh, picks three each. I will I will start first, I guess, uh, as far as things this week that I thought that I thought were awesome and argue with me if you, if you don't think it's true. Um, I'm going to say Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn announcing their match on SmackDown. Like I know like that for me, it was just such a cool thing to know that that was finally happening. And these two guys who've been busting their ass, you know, on the Indies for years and years are, are going to be able to like show off what they can do. And in a pretty cool story, is it, is it an epic main event WrestleMania story? No, but it's a, it's still a pretty cool story. Um, I'm going to also say uh, RVD's hall of fame post on getting in the hall of fame. Uh, Cause Katie Forbes is like giving him the trophy and he's basically like, <laughs> like, like he is, he's, he, Okay, he's made it as a wrestler, and I guess he's just now trying to become a softcore porn star. Like, I'm not really sure what the thing is, but you know, look, I was a huge Rob Van Dam fan, and I was, uh, I, and I was pumped to see it. And then number three, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, the Pinnacle Inner Circle fight backstage. I thought that was uh, that was really great, uh, especially, um, you know, Sammy, uh, Sammy getting his heat back and. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I can't wait to see those guys uh, go against each other. What, what did you guys think? Let me think? ask you this, Dan, on, on that third one. Do you think it was too soon? I feel like Pinnacle just got over, and then you got your payoff maybe three weeks later. I would like to have seen this teased out a little more, whereas I got to see everybody in the inner circle get their revenge. Pinnacle left bloodied. MJF's head stuffed into a toilet. They now got their locker room back. I feel like you they gave away everything they've been building up really quickly when I would like to have seen this go out longer. Cause it's an interesting story. I was okay I was, with it because I, I just, Oh, I'm sorry. It was just because like they've looked like, you know, they've kind of looked strong now three weeks in a row. I was fine with, you know, with, with this being as dramatic as it was. I mean, we had Christian QT and Benoni. Oh my. So when we finally got to stars, I was like really pumped and excited. So I was okay with it. I like the logic left my brain and I'm like, finally the reason I watched this show, <laughs> Mike, what were your top three high spots this week? Um, I'm going to go with that. That arcade match was awesome. Oh, it was awesome. Even, the Lego yeah. spot even, was great. Even though some of the cabinets weren't actual arcade cabinets, the mortal Kombat two didn't have the CPU board in it and all that clearly <laughs> so that was a little bullshitty, but the Lego thing was awesome. <laughs> I popped for that. And I think I've heard that like that hurts a lot more than thumbtacks getting slammed on Legos. And I believe it. Yeah, it, looks uh, like, it looks like terrible. But that whole thing was really fun. Uh, Chris Statler Lander return. Sue. Um, I, I want to see Miro go on to other things after this. But if this is the blow off, then it was great. Uh, so definitely this. Um, I would say the. Uh, Sting not in talking. Sting not talking was great. Him just being <laughs> in the Darby thing was awesome. Uh, like they didn't have him come out and be interviewed by Tony. So the big longest streak in wrestling has been broken. And I, the third I would say is I've I've made fun of O'Reilly and Cole in the past, but that uh, 
that video package on TakeOver was incredible. And I am really excited for that match. I don't think there's any blood feuds at Mania, but there are a couple on NXT, and this is probably like the hottest these two guys actually hate each other feud in wrestling right now. Strong words from a strong man. Scott? <laughs> so, so for me, I agree with everything you guys said. I enjoyed all of those things this week. Um, but last night in particular, the arcade anarchy match was uh, such like a feel-good moment. The That yeah. ending and Pixies playing and... And, and and the camera panning to the mom and giving Beretta the looked like up. a real star. I oh, Beretta looked like. I mean, how do you look like a star? He looked like a star when he got a kiss from his mom as she sent him <laughs> off to go fight. Yeah, I mean, such cool characters. Having Chris Statlander, uh, it worked for me. The whole match was was awesome, and uh, it just did something for me that I I don't think I've ever seen uh, in wrestling where it it took all the the horseshit of it and it caught the magic of why it works when you go see some of the silly stuff live uh right mike like you know what i mean when, when yeah. you're there live there is like this real feeling and it felt like an AEW victory or something like hey all that hokey shit it could be this uh not yeah. hokey but you know goofy shit uh yeah I, I and that's that. you know that we're not reviewing all dynamite but that's a real credit to the company and, and something i really love about them is that you can have that women's match from two weeks ago where they fucking kill each other and their blood sucked mess. And then you could have this like goofy thing. They're both main events and they both work for entirely different reasons. They worked in Shivani's line about taking the chairs. That's 20,000 tickets. Like they, they treated it somewhat straight, which I liked. Shivani talking about the Legos. And then he's like, I remember those from the 90s or whatever. And then he goes, with a bunch of little brats. <laughs> he got like, he had a flashback. My, my favorite line is when he goes, not the Galaga machine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the uh, the pinnacle in a circle thing, I thought it was shot so well. Uh, yeah, Popped like crazy for it. Did not expect it. You know, part of me was like, ah, should should they have done it in front of the crowd? But then you go, well, there's no real crowd there, so why not make it look really cool? And they did make it look really cool. Uh, I thought that ruled. And then the trios match, uh, whoa. There was moments in that match where uh, I was like, this is the most fun I've had watching wrestling this year. Uh, and Phoenix, did you see when, when Carl Anderson booted Phoenix and Phoenix went to do a backflip? but landed on the tip of his head. Did you, it's insane. Yeah, uh, it I'll try to find a GIF of it and I'll post it on, uh, on the wrestle roast, uh, Twitter. It, it looks it like a video game. Insane. Glitch. It looked like a glitch in a video game. And there's a lot of moments. I mean, just, just insane moments in that match. And, uh, part of the reason I like trios matches so much when they are this fun is, you know, and it, maybe it does kind of spoil wrestling for some, but you know they're sitting in the back just coming up with fun ideas, taking the best ideas, being creative. Uh, it's really cool to just see six guys go, this is what we decided to do. Because you don't really get that uh, in other places. So, yeah. All three are AEW moments. All three. Well, obviously, yeah. Robert. It is a great show. I'm truly shocked that all three were AEW But it was a great show. No, it, I mean, it, it was a great show. The second a, hour was fantastic. Yeah, the first hour was, was fantastic, too. It's just you guys are, you know. Uh, look, insane. I think the, the, the Kazarian-Christian <laughs> match was a very good match. It was just, that's what they do. They have very good matches that don't light the world on fire. Um, 
which is why wrestlers love Christian and the audience is kind of all right. Um, number one for me, high spot was Orange Cassidy's Pixies theme song. Uh, I absolutely love that AEW does this. This use I used to love this shit in ECW when the guys come out to real music. It fits so well for Orange Cassidy. Obviously, I love that song. It's you know, it's it it suits him so well. And it's something where you watch it. And then when you hear some of the songs that the other wrestlers come out to, you realize these are Mickey Mouse and these are made in a studio and they kind of sound terrible versus this theme song felt authentic. And I can't wait for this to be in front of a live crowd more than the Jungle Boy song, because I think the audience is going to do a really cool sound effect to this. And it's going to add to the Orange Cassidy presentation because he is their undertaker. So that was high spot number one. Um, I'm trying not to repeat because I had number two is that Cole O'Reilly video package, which was really well done if you haven't seen it. Uh, so my second one was Riddle's promo with Asuka backstage on Raw, where he's riding in his scooter and he's spouting out the bullshit they have written. And he just in the middle of it, because it was live, he's like, I forgot what I was going to say. And then just rolls off. And the look. Wait, I, have genuine- a question. I have a question. Do you think that was real? From, from what I understand, that was not what was supposed to be done I, in that segment. But I it heard was the live. opposite. Well, folks I talked to there were like, yeah, no, he just kind of did his thing. And they don't care because they like that quasi spontaneity with him when it's not. But it came across it, it came across genuine where a lot of stuff that he says, especially sounds like it's scripted by someone who has never been around someone who's done drugs before. Robert, you, you don't think that sounds like total horseshit that they like him that much that he could forget his lines and stare into the camera and say, fuck this show, essentially. No, no, it was he's not, he didn't say fuck this show. I, I don't think that that moment was dude. He stared into the can. It's insane. It, it was planned. It's he's a stoner and and it's and they don't know how to write it. But, but because- Scott, I watched Raw, and it was three hours of them saying, fuck this audience. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's every week. I know, it. but it was – I mean, how crazy that it's planned. That's like a that's – a, that's a low spot. Well, For that to be planned is really bad. Well, what, let me talk about a high spot that none of us mentioned, and well, that is – my third. But I know, I know that, but oh, we, yeah, have to, we have to interrupt it. No, 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 I have to no, interrupt no, it because it's for all of us. Titus O'Neil announced the roast of Hulk Hogan on Monday Night Raw, if you guys hadn't seen it. It was uh, it was pretty nuts. Anyway, keep going, Robbie. Yes, that was a great watch. Um, I think the my third high spot. It was a small moment. It was from SmackDown. It was Roman Reigns backstage with Jey Uso and Paul Heyman when he was talking about how they needed to bring uh, Adam Pierce to him, and he basically acknowledges as the world champion he has all the power, and he's just like, "What are they going to do? Fire me?" And it's always cool within the confines of wrestling, within within the world of kayfabe or, or kayfab, as Scott would call it, when they actually acknowledge like, oh, I'm the universal champion. I'm the guy headlining their show. They can't touch me with this bullshit so I can get away with whatever I want. And it's a it was a great heel moment and it was really subtle and it was really well done. Hey, uh, Dan. Um, I already, I already told my top three. Oh, no, there was, there was something I, I wanted to do that I forgot to, which is that you know, we have a Twitter at Wrestle Roast, and oh, I, that's right. Yeah, I asked um, yesterday when we were watching the the QT segment. I I asked some of our fans for what their name for the QT stable should be, and I figured we'd read some of those. If that's yeah, absolutely yes, absolutely. Okay, so the Hank Bermuda loves ZSJL said uh, D Evolution. <laughs> <laughs> Ken Hanley's bad tweet said, the worst business. Uh, 
uh adrian uh said the boar with two r's <laughs> uh, uh the, i like the boar uh, yeah bud hoagie said the fart foundation um <laughs> that's a real doug hoagie thing to say but yeah that, that's <laughs> extra funny with doug hoagie <laughs> yeah. hoagie's then, like hey how about we throw a fart in there right uh, <laughs> J- joseph joseph burden said the nightmare to watch factory <laughs> and Clay da- davis said nw oh no <laughs> <laughs> i think that's the winner but yeah so yeah uh you know fans like you know like us on itunes and all that interact with us on twitter it's fun you guys are hilarious yeah i'm gonna be live tweeting on raw and i'm gonna be live tweeting this friday on smackdown uh and mike is gonna be live tweeting on wednesday next wednesday so uh for dynamite so uh check it out guys um zach is there any high spots that we missed before we get to the list spots for you no, I think you guys got it. One thing that we did miss, uh, which I think deserves some, you know, it's just interesting. It didn't get, get that didn't get called out. Was Edge turning heel? I thought that was great. But what did you think of that, Zach? I know you're a big Edge fan. Oh no, he's a heel now. Uh, I loved it. I, obviously, he's the best. He's uh, he's uh, probably much better off being a heel. Even though this match, I'm almost less interested. I don't know. I I feel like. Uh, I was almost looking forward to Edge versus Roman, and then they threw in Daniel Bryan, but, you know. Well, if you want to hear our thoughts on it, uh, we covered it for the Patreon this past week. We covered uh, SmackDown. So uh, if you are a Patreon member or considering being one and you want to hear our take on the Edge heel turn, the main event of Mania, and uh, all the other good stuff on SmackDown, sign up for the Patreon before New Jack kills us. Yes, next week's paper will be New Jack. And we're also going to be reviewing NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. So it'll be a breakdown of both of the nights there and the uh, rest of New Jack. And is there any better face, uh, Zach, than when Edge gets angry and his eyes bulge? <laughs> it's pretty amazing to me. It's a great still. It's a great still. It's a yeah. great still. <laughs> All right, let's get to the low spots. Mike, what are your three low spots of the week? Um, so I, I watched, uh, two hours of raw oh God. and so it'll, it'll all be from here. Um, and I know I'm taking stuff off the table for everybody, but, uh, okay. Number one has to be, um, my wife, Adina, who I love very much and who is okay with all of my action figures and everything and loves me for the nerd that I am. She came out during the new day and uh aj almost segment with charades and stuff and i've never felt more ashamed in my life um it was it was beyond embarrassing um i just oh it was that that's rough was, man that segment was rough that segment was so long and rough uh so that's low point number one um number two i i know that a lot of us will probably have this and you guys could talk about it further. The, the breaking up of the Hurt Business, I think, is a terrible idea, especially right before Mania. I thought that the four of them as a unit was great. I think they were one of the best things in the company. And there was no reason to do that. And I would say the, the third uh, low point would be, um, yeah, just a... Uh, the Christian Kazarian thing was fine, but 
it should have been on elevation. I don't want to oh, see. Oh, that's not a low point, though. Come on. That's yeah, not, it is. Like, it is match. when you – it is, Dan, because you have a lot of really talented stars, young stars in the company that could use that time, and you gave it to two older guys that had a match from 2007 TNA. I didn't need to see it on this show. I will say, uh, you know, like, my, my, my opinion of that match is also, like, the same criticism that has haunted Christian his entire career, which is, man, Christian made Frankie Kazarian look great. You know, like I mean, by the, at the end of the match, I was like, man, Kaz is a big star. I mean, it was like, it was like, this would be the best match on Velocity. Yes, this definitely, it was the great Velocity match. It's the best meal at Carabas. <laughs> it's just, it's just like when you, you know, you have that trios match, you have that arcade match, and those were so fun and energetic. And I would have opened with one of those instead of this kind of slog. Scott, I don't know. It was like a delicious Sunday, so it, you're you're arguing <laughs> over like layers of things. It was fine. It complemented this stuff. I liked the Sunday, and it's Christian. It's his first match in seven years, and they put it up top. They said, hey, let's get it over with. I mean, you should be happy. <laughs> it was Christian. 16 minutes, man. It was the longest match. Frankie Kazarian. It is a Sunday made with Briar's ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't even get that reference. I love Briar's ice cream. You like fancy or something? Scott likes What's matches happening? where someone goes for a kill switch 11 times before Scott, finally hitting it. Scott Scott was a Blue Bunny family growing up. So whenever they got Briar's, it was a treat. <laughs> I have Blue Bunny in my fridge right now. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> I do. I have some some blue bunny in there. Snakes eat blue bunny. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, who's Mike? You're done. Did you yeah, mention done. all your low points? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert. So uh, I, I also had the the breaking up of the hurt business, but more more specifically, the uh, aligning Lashley with Corbin, just because. The whole reason why they broke up the Hurt Business is because they're really now starting to get genuinely concerned that the audience is not going to cheer Drew. And they want to take away everything from Lashley that makes Lashley uh, cool. So Lashley is now paranoid. He's now putting out this bounty on Drew's head. We want to get rid of the guys from the Hurt Business because the audience likes the Hurt Business. And they literally like, who does the audience hate the most? Oh, Baron Corbin, we'll make him part of this now. And he's not boo heat, he's go away heat. And I think it's going to tarnish what is potentially a really good match. So I think that was a huge low spot for me. My second low spot, and it's interesting you mentioned this in a positive light, Dan, was the, the camera work on the QT Marshall heel turn. Um, this was a pre-tape show and they missed the first chair shot when I think it was Aaron Solo, like they lay him out for this dramatic moment. And there was a I couple... didn't know it was pre-taped. I don't think it was pre-taped. I think last week was pre-taped. No, la last week's show was live. This week's show was, uh, was oh. pre-recorded. No, wait, two weeks ago was pre-taped, right? Was it... Well, what was last week's show? Was Who's last... on first? No, that was <laughs> Pinnacle's last night's... speech. That was, was pre-taped last week. There was Pinnacle's speech. Last, last, night, last, week, last night's show was not, a, was not live, but they could have gone back and fixed that moment, and they, and they didn't, and that was kind of annoying. Even if they didn't, and it was they just left it as is, you know what's going to happen. You know where to keep the camera. You didn't need to cut to QT. You needed to cut to the surprise of the group attack. Uh, it kind of took away from it. And they, they tend to do this when they have big surprises. And then the third, because I listed several. I, I did Raw. not mind it. 
But so the the third, just to be safe, so I listed a bunch of stuff from Raw was the Braun Strowman report card oh, promo that Shane yeah. McMahon cut. Oh, yeah. And oh where I God. felt the worst is that there was a graphics team and producers who had to work on making this report card writing out all the comments that were on the report card, getting it uploaded and having it approved by Vince, who I'm sure sent it back at least twice with revisions. And to spend all this time a week before WrestleMania working on a graphic for this ridiculously stupid storyline going into a match that nobody cares about was absolutely just awful. That was, that was all time Russell crap. I mean, it was really bad. And it's, it's also, it's so, you know, like how perfect that they brought in the, the choo-choo train sound effect for this <laughs> angle. You know, if ever there was an angle that needed the choo-choo train sound where, effect. Where does that come from? God. I think they're trying to be more interactive. Like now Riddle has something where he kicks off his shoes and then like birds shoot out of his feet. Like, <laughs> look, it's not a bad, I will say this. Like, I'm not, it's not a bad idea in principle to have like multimedia interactions but it they is. haven't figured <laughs> all right they haven't i don't think they figured it out yet it's it's definitely looking not looking like minority report over there <laughs> and not just because it's wwe um but yeah i uh all right well um uh, zach or, or scott scott we're on to scott what do we yeah, uh, yeah it's my turn so uh her business breaking up obviously bothered me dude on on raw so the the Strowman Riker match followed by the Ms. Morrison segment. It was the combo of it that makes you go, "Oh, there's no hope." There, there's. It, <laughs> it's it's just amazing that it, you have to be aware that these things aren't great, and you sew them together. You know, like I, because there's no way you can separate the good and bad and mix it up it's just all bad that really depressed me and then number one saddest moment was the new uh iwgp world heavyweight title they revealed it on a tuesday morning it's just bad it's bad uh i i wanted to be hopeful i tried to come up with reasonings and excuses and and i just can't it's not just that the old one is one of the best belts ever it's that this thing looks Kind of like shit. I mean, may- maybe like shit is going too far, but it, it looks does really not, bad, man. It, it does not really... look great. It Scott, does not look Scott, great. if they reveal it on AEW, you'll love it. <laughs> well, no, AEW's belt looks great, though. I know, but I, anything on AEW, you love. Abushi uh, uh, holding That's the title. That's not true. I shit on AEW every week. You can go back and shit on it. It's just the QT thing worked. And the, the listeners are going to know, and they're going to go, oh, my God, look at these three guys exposed. It's just we, we had two or three listeners say, we can't wait till you rip this shit apart. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're, you know, they're on the same shower basis. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, those things bothered me. IWGP more than uh, more than anything, though. You know, that like a world title looks like Cody's up. neck tattoo. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Brutal. It's really bad. I mean, like Abushi holding it looks like a it looks like a prank on Abushi. Yeah, like, it, it looks like I finally waited this long to be the fucking guy, and, and they give and me it's this. The, it's the type of shiny that if they don't unshine it, they have to change the lighting completely of how they film the show because it just sparkles and bounces off everything. You can barely focus on it. Like the cameras can barely get a focus on it because it's too shiny. It's like. It, Filming a mirror or something. 
you know, it'd be funny because you said that um, it's him and Osprey this weekend, which which is probably going to be an amazing match. But it would yeah. be great if like Abushi just comes out and goes, you know, you could just have this thing. <laughs> well, okay, that's the one saving grace. I'll say that is that these two guys know everybody hates it, uh, and so now they're going to go, hey, you want to have the best wrestling match this year, and they might. So that's something to look forward to. That they'll go, we're going to make this title seem important by having a great match. Because, damn, it's a bummer. And the rest of the guys shit on it, too. Like, even before it came out, because they're not counting the lineage of the other one. They're saying, like, this is a brand new title. It's different. And so the other guys are even saying, like, well, I don't want to challenge for it because there's no history to it. The ne- I mean, the whole Jay White challenging Tanahashi to the Never Openweight title is now the Never has more history. So I don't even want to go for that other title. Which, if, if, if I'm Gato and shit, I'm yelling at those guys. Yeah. Saying, say it's pretty, you jerks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, those are my. Complaints. Yeah, stop being a Brett and just fucking fight for the thing. <laughs> we'll get to no, Brett later it's on. It's just a little too shiny and glistening for me. Uh. <laughs> you guys mentioned most of mine, but I'm gonna I'm gonna mention the two that. Well, obviously the hurt business breaking up, but specifically MVP's journey this week has been so depressing for me because, like, first off, he's like, "No, the hurt business is just me and Lashley." And then right after Raw, you posted, like, a sad face emoji. So you know that he wasn't happy. And then he had to, like, correct everyone and be like, no, Baron's not in the Hurt Business. It's just clearly, like, just watching somebody's project get destroyed. And, you know, if you're in if you're in anything creative, you know that feeling. Uh, so that was really a bummer for me. And also another thing that was a real low point, and it's a low point every week, guys, is Tony Khan announcing AEW on Impact. Oh, thank you. They, they, they have to stop. I don't know what they're doing. It's like, like the whole time, all I can listen is like his dad screaming at him, like, you bought another Pixie songs? You know, like, whole time, I just, it, 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 it's just, I mean, he's, he's, he sound like, if you haven't seen the clip of him from Impact this past week, I guess he's got confidence now. Because he did the AEW Dark Elevation spot. Because he's now like, he's screaming like he's Dick Vitale or something. I it's don't the know. best it's- thing. I'm so happy that this is happening because this is, I, I think I said this to you guys, like, this will upset Vince to no end that he's losing to this kid. <laughs> like, I have to move my fucking show because this, this fake, coked out, like, non teenager billionaire who thinks he's a pro wrestler is going to go out there and scream. Somebody, uh, a wrestler mentioned to me, goes, I want to do a side-by-side comparison of that this promo from this past week on Impact and Vince when he was in Memphis that one time with Jerry Lawler <laughs> where he invented the Mr. McMahon and just put them next to each other and see what it's like when someone thinks they could be a character on TV. I mean, here's the thing. Like, Tony Khan on Impact has the same energy as, like, the angry girl on My Super Sweet 16 when the party isn't going her way (laughs) it's just like this amazing like entitled energy that but my the thing the thing here's how you really enjoy these segments you listen to khan but you watch shivani because he's like you got a good thing going you just just let him do it just let him go Oh, Tony yeah. Soul has Shivani Soul left his body a long time ago. But <laughs> like this, this Tony Khan stuff is like it, it's getting to the point where nobody wants to tell him, "Hey, may, maybe, maybe you need to stop." 
Um, and I can't wait to see where the where the ceiling is on this because I don't think we're anywhere close until Tony Khan is AEW world champion. And, and what's what, what's crazy about this is it's something that you could you'd be a good friend if you asked him to stop. It seems like there's more going on than just hey this isn't gr- that good you know this isn't good TV. It's like there's something going on with you. Slow down, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's it, madness. I mean, to run out the, the the Omega thing where he's shouting, it's like okay, he's nervous. Then he does it again, and it's like, does he want us to think he acts like this, or he thinks this is cool? Here's the weird thing about the, these impact promos, which we haven't talked that much about, is that a lot of times they're like full of slander towards the company you're watching right now. You know, they 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 plug AW, which they should do if they're paying for the time. But it's this weird thing where it's like they act like like he acts like he's doing this for fun, but also like it's beneath him to be doing it at the same time, and you kind of have to pick one because i think in his mind he's like i'm still putting impact over just by being (laughs) it's like when you when you don't even want to be on your own company but you're willing to like he's basically used impact as his open mic for being an authority figure yes it's very weird (laughs) it's also weird that don Callis is not a baby face on impact when he's the guy who runs the company and he also goes on aew and stirs shit up and has control of their world title. Like that to me is, it's like when back in way, way long time ago when ECW invaded Raw, Paul Heyman was the baby face to ECW people and he was the heel to the Raw audience because he's like, what you're watching here on Raw sucks. You need to be watching ECW instead. And when you watched ECW, Paul Heyman was a hero. Don Callis goes on AEW and he's like, the best wrestler in the world is Cody, who, or sorry, is Kenny Omega, who's aligned with me. I run I'm in Impact. Here are the Impact World Champions or whatever, the Good Brothers, whatever they are now. They're the best tag team in the world. And yet he's a heel on, on Impact. It's just, there's a bit of a disconnect. can't compare him to Paul Heyman. That's the, I think that's the, that's the problem, you know? I'm not comparing him to him. I'm just saying that the characterization of if you're defending your company against another company, then you should be a baby face within your own world. Tony Khan acts like a heel on impact. He doesn't act like a heel in AEW. Zach, are we missing any low spots before we move on? Definitely not. All of that is terrible. But, uh, <laughs> I'm going to mention one or two more high spots that Tommaso Ciampa promo about Walter was awesome. Oh that yeah. Really I can't wait for that. Match. Yeah. That ruled. Yeah. yeah, yeah I that can't ruled. wait for that. Oh yeah, I, I think next week is going to belong to NXT for sure. And, and night one NXT too. And a Reginald free Bianca and Sasha is a really nice thing. Yeah, that's that's true. Although who knows what's going to happen at Mania? Oh, and just Maybe. just to throw it out there, because it was the last one I had on my list. I forgot was Cameron Grimes on NXT with revealing the undisputed era uh, intellectual property that he bought with a graphic and a T-shirt was absolutely fantastic and yeah. made me interested in a Roderick Strong segment. So give Cameron Grimes another raise. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Meltzer and Alvarez were, were like, oh, I don't get it. Dude, uh, and then him in the Battle Royale trying to pay off uh, you yeah. know, yes. L.A. Knight and Dexter Loomis was awesome. Like, that guy gets that character and he's having a blast with it. It's awesome. He was great. And Dexter Loomis was great in the Battle Royal because he stood still for 15 minutes and it was the best he's ever been in a ring. 
seven uh monday morning booker man we've kind of done a rebook this shit this is basically the same thing uh where we rebook uh one of wrestling's most infamous angles this week booker t versus triple h how would you book it how would you book the finish uh and uh, how would you book the follow-up i'll start off i get well does someone else want to start off uh, who wants to start off yeah, I'll, I'll start off. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Booker T beats Triple H clean in 15 minutes and wins. The end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you got, Scott? Okay, so I, I I think the way you have to approach it is Booker confronts Triple H as a Nash type, the same type of people that held him back in WCW, uh, and that he needs to end Triple H because if he doesn't, Triple H is going to end WWE just like those guys destroyed WCW. And he's not going to be a part of a, of, you know, a ship taken over by, uh, by a prick with a big ego. And so that's the story is he's hunting this guy down to save this new company that he has hope for. Now you're cheering for Booker T because you're not identifying him with WCW. You're identifying him with wanting to be a part of a winning company and saying you're going to make it lose. And then you just tell Triple H, don't say much. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Booker T beats him. That's it. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Um, uh, before, uh, we'll have Robert go uh, last. Zach, uh, do you got anything for this? I thought it was great as is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say, look, I, I actually would have kept the build as it is, but you have Booker T go over and you don't have that horrible 23 second wait. Uh, and then what I would do afterwards is the next night, the raw after WrestleMania, instead of having Goldberg go after the rock, you have a heel Goldberg led by Bischoff take out Booker T. And that's a way that you could get Goldberg over because if he's coming in as a heel and then, and then you have the second, the second moment after he's done being a hired gun where the old Goldberg comes back and you just take Triple H and you put him to SmackDown and then you you essentially have all of Evolution going after Brock, which uh, they're trying to make, you know, the, the Brock babyface turn didn't really work in the way they wanted it to be. I think this would give it more mileage and give it a better shot. Robert? So at the end of the day, the decision to not put the title on Booker was the right decision at WrestleMania 19, just because they were hot shotting him into the storyline because Scott Steiner was a colossal failure as a, as a main eventer. And they wanted to give somebody the opportunity. The problem was, Dan, as you said, the next night on Raw, Goldberg comes out and there's no way you were going to debut Goldberg anything other than a massive monster baby face. And you only have the rock for one month you got to do Rock Goldberg because that's the biggest match that they have. So you need Booker to lose at Mania, but you need him to lose in a way that doesn't make him look absolutely terrible. So, you know, you do a flare, tries to interfere. He gets laid out, ref bump. Oh, no, who's that? It's Kevin Nash. Well, then you got to lose all the race stuff in the buildup, right? I mean, you Not should lose all the race stuff well, anyways, man. The race, no, no, stuff, but, no, no, the, the race stuff was terrible. And de- no, that, that part of it was tone deaf and bizarre. 
Hunter's whole thing about Booker T not being a guy who can measure up to being world champion because he's from WCW is different than you don't measure up because you're black, which was the Ron Simmons Vader storyline, which was uncomfortable and stupid, but at least Simmons won. I think if Nash comes out as the heel and lays out Booker T with the jackknife and then Triple H pins him one, two, three, you now for the first time on WWE TV have these two guys of the click working together and it now becomes a more intriguing story of what Shawn Michaels going to do and then and then the next night on Raw you can still do your Goldberg Rock big huge match go into Backlash with it you can do Triple H versus Booker rematch at Backlash with Nash in in Hunter's corner and then it's what Shawn going to do is Shawn going to be in Booker's corner is he going to turn on him there's intrigue going forward and you have several months of storylines that you can tell while still keeping Booker close to the main event, but he's not the main event because you have Goldberg on raw and you needed to keep the title on Hunter because you needed Goldberg to beat Hunter. So this solves a lot of those problems that they put themselves in just due to poor scheduling. I think though, it's like in theory, that makes sense. It's just that at that point they had already like fucked, fucked up the NWO so much that like, I think that like, the idea of Triple H and Nash together, I'm like, oh my god, is this going to even be a worse version of a but DX instead NWO? You did, right, but instead you had Nash against Triple H, which is infinitely which was worse. Al- yeah, which was also I which I mean, if I don't you could do because if you could do Sean and Diesel again at a, at at a pay per view, Sean would get a decent match out of Nash. Booker and and Hunter would have a good match. There there's there's better configurations with Nash as a heel aligned with Hunter than there is. Nash as the baby face going against Triple H for a couple months, which was a complete disaster. That was a disaster. Number eight. We did this last week. It's got a different name uh, where we take two horrible gimmicks and we determine which one's worse. We called it, I think, like worse of the worst or something last week. This week, we're calling it Grimmix. I was pretty excited about this name uh, just because I was like, <laughs> oh, you can put an R in front of the I and then it works. Uh, I had a real Stallone moment. Now, is it because it's gimmicks that are grim or it sounds like Grimace from McDonald's? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. That's the beautiful thing about art. It's open to interpretations. This week, we debate what was worse, Vito in a dress or Naked Midian? I want to start with Scott. Okay, Naked Midian is worse because Vito in a dress uh, was progressive. And legitimately, (laughs) it was. He said yeah. he was a crossdresser. He just says it. It's like eventually it comes, you know, people do people poke fun of him at first? Yeah, but he embraces it. Uh, he does well in matches. He gets over. He says, I'm not gay. I just dress in women's clothing. That's a thing that people, especially then, thought, no, you can't be that. It's got to, if you wear the dress, you got to like boys. But, you know, <laughs> that's not the case. Vito <laughs> taught me that. Thank you, Vito. And you know what? He's not the only Vito who taught me uh, amazing things in my life. <laughs> i did watch i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna jump on just because i agree with scott i i watched a veto shoot interview in preparation <laughs> for this and it wasn't really a veto sh- it was like this guy named mr hollywood shannon rose was like interviewing veto outside of his barbers um but like but like <laughs> but veto was awesome in this interview he was like the you know the dress it made men respect you. People envy you. Like he was saying stuff that was for sure not true too. But like it was like it was fun that he like had that sort of. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny his justification. 
it meant I had the biggest balls backstage to do such a thing. <laughs> yeah, people and people respected me for it. That's what he says. <laughs> and um, and and here's why it's not Naked Midian, man. Like, if you like, just if you hear how Naked Midian is described in shoot interviews, like because Jr. describes him, and Jr. describes Naked Midian like he's talking about Sea Biscuit, like not even a person, like a like a horse that you got to put down, like. There's just like, he's like, well, you know, he was a good hand and, you know, like it, it's, it's just like the way they talk about it is like real old yeller shit. Uh, and I watched the Vito's and, and I, I watched Vito's last match. It was against a friend of the show, Ken Anderson. Ken rips the dress off and then that's his last match. Vito blames his firing on Michael Hayes becoming head writer. Mike, who do you got? I think that naked Midian is worse because it's false advertising. He's got a thong. He's not actually naked. <laughs> Vito, Vito in a dress is Vito in a dress, but naked Midian is not naked Midian. So I'm totally going fucking naked Midian on this shit, fucking advertising something that they wouldn't deliver. We, we should start a, a class action lawsuit, Robert. <laughs> yes, um, I, I, I will gladly I, I will I will round it out as naked medium was was the worst simply because uh, you can't wrestle when you're when you're even in the thong. No one wants you're not going to be able to put that on TV. That's way too risky. So it was a gimmick that you couldn't get matches out of uh, Vito in a dress got over. Uh, he he had a, a winning streak. I actually he messaged- said in the shoot interview he was the most over athlete in the world at the time. Well, Vito oh, does a know. lot of drugs. Uh, we, all, we all lie in front of our barber shops. Dan. Yeah, this is peak yes. Jordan. <laughs> and I, I did reach out to the head writer of SmackDown who came up with this, and I'm like, we're talking about Vito in a dress, and his response was a highlight on every fan's list. Uh, so even he knows. What was great was at one point Vito was going to challenge King Booker for the world title. And then they just were like, hey, uh, on camera, like, hey, The Undertaker wants the spot and said, is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. And he just gives it up when he had the moment. Like, they had momentum behind Vito in a dress. And they took a guy who was somewhat talented and had no screen presence. And he became the weirdest thing on TV every week. And that's kind of why it worked. I'm also convinced it's because, like, Vince saw the- Did you uh, write for Vito in a dress, Robert? I was I was off the creative team once Vito had the dress. So was he, but, what was his rep backstage? He said he was the most respected man. He he said he was the most respected man. And I think <laughs> I, I will agree that in Vito's mind he was the most respected man. No, but he uh, had a pretty good rep, right? When when I mean, was that? Was that two thousand? It was seven. I think it was two thousand. I think it was seven. Um, Vince described him as a. You mean Perry Saturn? <laughs> See, and that's why Naked Midian is, is also worse because it's like Naked Midian was like at the prime of like WWF popularity, whereas like Vito in a dress was like around the time of Festus and Jesse. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, I guess I guess I should announce who we're doing for WrestleMania week. Uh, Grimix next week. Mantar or Man Mountain Rock? Which gimmick? <laughs> Is oh, the, man. The, the, the question that has, has plagued us since the beginning of time. Uh, Zach, who, who do you think, what, what gimmick do you think is worse, Vito in a dress or Naked Midian? Uh, I don't remember Naked Midian at all, but I do remember Vito in a dress, and I didn't hate it, so Naked Midian. I would Dan. show it Naked Midian to you, but I'm sure Peacock has removed Naked Midian and now the entire Attitude Era just to be safe. 
Well, Dan, he, Dan, can I can I make a suggestion here? Yes. Throw an audible for next week. Because okay. we are doing Hogan and it's our big WrestleMania show, I think for Grimmicks, we should all pick what we think is the worst Ed Leslie gimmick of all time. Brilliant. Which was the worst Ed Leslie gimmick That's of all fantastic. time? Of all the Ed Leslie gimmicks. Hogan's best friend. All right. So, okay. Well, man, well, I, Zodiac. I don't want to promise anything I can't give, though. So, like, the week after, we're going to get Man Mountain Rock. Absolutely. Shawn Michaels week that we're roasting Shawn Michaels, we're going to do Man Mountain Rock and Mantar. Or it can be the entire Patreon of just Mantar versus Man Mountain Rock. It'll be a four-hour edition. That's perfect, Dan. But I just think for Mania, we got to do the biggest one. He's had like 12 to 15 shitty gimmicks. This will be fun. Who, who is, who, which, which cut is the least flattering? Yeah. Uh, and, the Barber and, and, uh, people on Twitter, tweet us what you think it is. We'll read your, uh, answers and we'll, we'll have some fun with this because God, uh, they're all the worst, but we'll, we'll, we'll all decide. I also want to uh, come clean. Uh, this is nothing to do with the podcast, but don't uh, take a bunch of edibles and watch Marley and me. I did that. I stopped, I stopped for like an hour and a half after and held my dog. All right. That's just my PSA. At least it was your dog and not someone else's. This would have been a much more disturbing story. By the way, that was still a great segue because you know that's something Ed Leslie has also done. <laughs> um, and uh, watch Pet Cemetery after, hoping they bring the dog back. <laughs> <laughs> Better. <laughs> Number nine. Number nine, Shoots Creek. We're going to be talking Bret Hart on leg slapping, Andrade's explosive tell-all interview, and Austin Aries getting off Twitter. Let's start off with Bret Hart uh, talking about leg slapping. This is the quote verbatim. Uh, Shoots Creek, by the way, this is uh, we're just going to talk about who's talking the most shit this week um, in a shoot. So this is the quote from Bret. I, I heard a few days ago that they outlawed or banned or nobody's allowed to do the slap stuff anymore. And I'm like, totally, they should have stopped that 10 years ago. It's slap, slap, slap. And my brother Owen was one of the guys that started a lot of that. He brought it to, he was one of the best slapping his leg on spin kits and stuff, but come on, enough is enough. In every match, you see guys do stuff and you're going, that wouldn't even make a slap sound. When you punch somebody in the jaw, it's not a slap sound. You know, it's a different kind of sound and you're making a slap sound for everything. Every single move you do is a slap sound, slap, slap. And I totally agree. I'm glad they put their foot down on that, but they're like 10 years late. They already kind of, in a lot of ways, sadly ruined wrestling by making it so fake. He always has to end with like wrestling is ruined. So the long story short of this is that Brett has not recovered from the stroke based on that quote. <laughs> and also, uh, Brett is always furious when people are talking shit and he comes into the game late. He's like, wait, you guys were talking about, you guys were talking shit about leg slapping for like three days and I didn't know about it. And here's another thing that pisses me off about this is Brett for every, he's like he's the stomp guy like i love his punches but he stomps every time he punches he, <laughs> he just uses a different trick That's he's it. also the best because he shits on it but also has to put over a member of his family this is the <laughs> stupidest thing ever when owen did it it was the best and he was a, he was a revolutionary but everybody but, else but robert he kind of buries him too like my brother died for this business and also killed a little bit of it off <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> It was 
like a little bit like you know like because he 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 brings up his brother in like he's like there's this thing i don't like by the way my brother's one of the reasons this happened <laughs> well brett would be you know because shit talking is so entertaining it's yeah. so fun so so great to listen to but brett i mean that's how not entertaining he is as a speaker that when you hear him talk shit it it it's not fun you go, come on, man, what's wrong with you? You grumpy? He just comes off so grumpy. Yeah, it always feels like they interview him just as he's waking up and hasn't had his coffee yet. <laughs> also, it's like Brett's fake. Brett, you feuded with a fucking pirate. You know, like you had a whole program with a guy named John Pierre Lafitte. Yes, yes, but you know, I made you believe that pirate was real. I made you believe he had two working eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys... Uh... Oh, and by the way, did, did you know that Vito like beat Terry Funk in one of his matches on WCW? Like they actually pushed him. Anyway, just a random Vito fact. Guys. Do you do you know how much Brett probably hates Christian's shirt? Oh, he hates it. He's no Brett. He must hate it so much. What did you think about the uh, Andrade comments? Uh, what do you think was real, Mike? What do you think wasn't real? I was confused because he for sure didn't make $3 million a year, right? That's not a real no. number that he made. But, I, you know, like it, the pregnancy thing has obviously turned out to be real. So um, what did you think of these comments, Mike? What what is that? I I don't I don't exactly right, know. Well, Scott, you know, Scott, you uh, you you listen so, to the well, interview. The pregnancy thing is... He that's said, legit. Yeah, that's true. It's legit to a point, I think. Charlotte corrected it and said he was lost in translation a bit. But apparently the truth is, is that, you know, a big reason um, Charlotte is not a part of Mania isn't the COVID thing. It's that there was a dispute with WWE, a WWE doctor. He said she's most likely pregnant because I guess uh, you could tell not just in a pregnancy test, but like in a blood test, he noticed something was, I don't know, you know, anyway, that, that's above my uh, pay grade. And, uh, and it turns out to not be true. Apparently this has happened to women in WWE before where a doctor goes, Hey, you're pregnant. And they have to sit down for a second and take a test. And they go, no, I'm not. And the doctor comes back and go, well, you better test again. Cause I think you are. And then it, you know, it fucked up her uh, chances of that's what Andrade it's said. The, it's the doctor trying to like protect the girls in case Vince thinks they're getting fat. He's like, just <laughs> say you're pregnant. He can't fire you then. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he also said he made $3 million uh, a year. Also, Charlotte said that what he said was lost in translation. And it was – Charlotte didn't say it. Charlotte's team made a statement, which uh, is interesting because everybody is out here just tweeting, and her team said something. David Flair needs a damn job. Back off. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, she's like a legit draw. Like Her episode of Austin's – like show actually it, it like it bumped the rating up and like compared to like Joel McHale or whoever was the week before him. Oh, wow. also Andrade said that he was cleared to wrestle since November or the last week of October. And Vincent Triple H did not know that until February or the beginning of March. They did not know he was cleared. They assumed he was still on the shelf uh, because uh, I don't know. He also claimed that the reason why he decided to leave was when Randy Orton walked up to him and asked, hey, why aren't they using you on TV? Yeah. And and that was when he was like, oh, you're right. I probably should be used on TV. I'm going to go. I can't see Randy caring. About That's the part clothes. of the story I don't buy. I, I can believe that they may have accidentally paid him three million dollars a year and put the comma in the wrong spot. But I don't believe Orton showed compassion for another <laughs> person. I also love how the doctor was convinced. Charlotte I've was seen pregnant. He showed compassion. For another person. Yeah, he's just like a good it. dude. Oh, he's he awesome. doesn't. 
he doesn't care about he but he he would not know if you were getting pushed like brandy yeah, well, brandy doesn't know who's getting pushed in wwe i guarantee yeah. you he has no idea here's here's what's great randy orton like being in catering with andrade being like you know man you just got to fight for your dignity and then putting black goo in his mouth so he can then <laughs> spit it out later <laughs> Dude, I also love that this. now every Oscar feud has to end with a pregnancy. First it was Becky, then it was Lacey, <laughs> and now the doctor's like, "Oh, Charlotte, you must be pregnant because that you're feuding with uh, you're feuding with her." So congratulations, Rhea Ripley. Then yeah, Rhea's <laughs> gonna be like, "Dingo ate my baby." <laughs> uh, and third, uh, did anyone see the Austin Aries comments? No. Yeah. Robert, you want to take it away? So Austin Aries, who is now no longer on on Twitter, claims that more people have died from getting the vaccine than died from COVID, and that they are hiding the numbers. So this is the <laughs> first wrestler ever to come out against needles, and that's why they had to remove him from Twitter. <laughs> he's wow. a much more interesting person than a character that he's ever portrayed on tv like they missed the boat what was his on... gimmick he was the greatest man that ever lived he I, that he's an yeah. asshole I, I getting to work with him a couple <laughs> times he's just he's a he's just a prick yeah that's um, what i heard and now he's just a he's he like he stole aj styles's gimmick uh how was, being how was, super crazy how was working with Vito? perfectly nice guy that you kind of forget is there uh he's not the top 40 people you would think that you want to make sure you wrote something for and eventually it just became someone i guess you know i'd have to ask alex he's like let's just put him in a dress and see what happens and sometimes that shit works and Dude, Vito uh, should do you should do our show if you're listening yeah in a dr- we'll all wear dresses they yeah. will all wear dresses with you if, if there ever is a wrestle roast wrestling celebrity it's Anybody, like, first off, anybody who's ever mentioned in Grimmicks, um, open invitation to come on the show. <laughs> open invitation. You don't even have to announce. You can just start tweeting at us and yelling at us. Uh, finally, number 10. Uh, you don't even have to know the person we're roasting that week, and we'll still have you on the show. <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> number 10. <laughs> hey, man, you fucking do the booking. Number 10. Vince said Grimmicks like 10 times since the Grimmicks. It's like, it's like Vince is in his ears. Grimmicks. Promote no, no. Grimmicks. No, no. Uh, this, is, this is the Conrad Thompson. He's like, and you can get your Grimmicks t shirt at uh, boxogrimmicks.com. Dan's like, I, I came up with the name Grimmicks while I was at a local medical facility. <laughs> can I also get like, can I, a call to action for our listeners? Look, apparently. Like if you go on internet wrestling forums, like we can't put a post saying watch Wrestle Rose because if we do it, it's gonna look like advertising. But and it would be guys, weird because it's a podcast. Yeah. You, you, you watch yes. with your ears, guys. Oh, so listen, sorry. Yes, okay. Look, you guys do all the business, all right? All right. I know I'm not fucking Chris Hardwick, but I'm at least like uh, Belzer. I'm at least as good as Belzer as this. Uh, you're you're nicer like to Belzer. Win than Chris Hardwick, so you're fine. <laughs> you're like you're like your your entire energy during the whole show is Belzer when he revives from the coma <laughs> for like two hours straight. We'll be right back after you know what. <laughs> kids, with, kids, with old like man Conway. Dan with old man dan was trying to say is you all use the internet none of us can figure it out because aol is no longer a thing if you are on message boards and you want to talk about how much you love this show and spread the gospel of it we're encouraging you to do so because if we do it we sound like whores if you do it you're you are our advocates and yeah yes you are the qtnon of our show and we love you for it yeah and, and by the way you know we really appreciate the new listeners it just seems like uh 
you know, more people are, uh, are coming to the podcast and, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for everyone who's there. Number 10, <laughs> well, I don't know why I said it like it was Christmas Eve, but number, uh, number 10, baby face, the nation. Uh, we watched Daniel, Daniel Rodimer is much more over as a politician than he ever was as a wrestler. He was all over CNN this week. Um, he basically like, it would be, he basically did an ad like a, a congressional ad for Texas. Like if an alien learned 30 minutes about America, he would think that this is how a Republican <laughs> acted. That's kind of what it felt like. And uh, I, I actually am surprised he's ever pushed because he's he's big as hell. Uh, he, he, he makes if you haven't seen it, p- please watch the ad. He he. My favorite part is he uh, he t- he tells the audience that uh, I wanted my family to be raised in a constitutional friendly state. And I'm like, he doesn't know. That's not a thing like a constitutional like, like it's like you ain't allowed to perform abortions. It's sweet greens here in Texas. You know, he doesn't know what that is. Uh, and he was like, sorry, sorry, Mike, go. No, Mike. I was going to say the, the, his entire personality in this ad is basically how JBL was with Mauro Ronaldo backstage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can actually hear uh, Morrow crying in the background of this ad. There's like an old man that winks at some point because it's like it's like a political ad, but it's filmed like a Cialis ad, and he's like riding a bull. <laughs> the riding the bull wasn't as great as him standing in front of a storefront, leaning against the wall, where where he's you know just contemplating the future, complaining about how communists are running our country and that men can play in women's sports and also taxes are high like yeah, it was the strangest it was the strange but it was so well produced that's the part of this that was so amazing it was clearly shot with a a great 4k or 8k camera it was cut really well I, it looked like something you would see on john oliver as a spoof of what a republican would make as an ad it, it did look pretty good. nancy and also it's like yes nancy pelosi is going to deploy her communists to raise money for her in silicon valley it's like <laughs> it's she is the least communist of all the progressive candidates yeah, robert it was a, it was a 4k camera with a 3k message <laughs> And he stepped in shit. He stepped in a pile of shit. Which was, yeah. That was Nancy Pelosi's agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Make America, make America Texas again. So I'm like, oh, so we're allowed to execute mentally handicapped people in every state? Um, no, it means Mexico takes over the whole country. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where he's like trying to make a statement and you're like, wait, but you just stepped in shit. It's like the you eat shit for breakfast thing. You <laughs> stepped in shit though. <laughs> You got to get right. I step in shit because that's what the country's become. I eat it too, cause fuck it. <laughs> you start eating the shit. Yeah, I'll devour <laughs> these commies. Check it out. <laughs> I was really waiting for him to catch Chavo Guerrero in a net at the end. I'm disappointed they didn't cut Chavo's to his wife in the it. crowd, like QT's wife, just looking ashamed and embarrassed the whole time. Oh my god, dude! You. She would would she leave QT for Rodimer? I think yes. So. Oh God! Oh, yeah. Because because all of the fucking is hate fucking. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks, that's our show. Oh, I uh, wanted to give a couple of announcements before we uh, before we uh, sign off. Uh, we got the Hulk Hogan roast next week with Brian Moses and Benji Afalo. We're also going to be looking at uh, Vince McMahon's interview on the David Letterman show for Grimmix. We're going to see who's got the best Ed Leslie. Which Ed Leslie gimmick is the best? That's Brutus the Barber Beefcake, if uh, 
if you don't know his uh, his his most famous moniker, uh, we're gonna I'm going to guess it's his most famous moniker. I'm sorry. I'm, I, the worst. I'm yeah. Guys, I, I'm only qualified to host for 15 minutes, and then I, it's just a, it's just a downhill, it's yeah, downhill. It's, there. it's like raw. There's 15 good minutes mixed into three hours. <laughs> I think MTA worker that uh, snorted coke and said it was anthrax was his best gimmick. So, <laughs> um, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Brian Moses and Benji Afawa. They're gonna help roast Hulk Hogan next week. Uh, the Raw after the episode after that, so the our Raw after WrestleMania Wrestle Roasts episode will be uh, the next week. We'll be roasting Shawn Michaels with Eli Sayers this Sunday. We're gonna be we're gonna be talking about and I guess roasting wrestling secrets exposed, uh, not actual roast jokes, just bullshitting about it. Uh, and our Patreon for next week, we're gonna be do doing an NXT Takeover review and the roast in New Jack. You get an additional roast, and I'm gonna announce our May roast now. Our next. Our next Patreon ro- Patreon roast after New Jack will be Doink. So we'll give you the date on that. But nice. we're going to be roasting Doink on Patreon. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. We're really trying to get to 1,000 Twitter followers, folks. we got a Twitter and an Instagram. Check it out. Uh, I'm s- tweeting SmackDown and Raw this week. Mike's going to be doing it uh doing dynamite um and i'm gonna be i'm starting to do stand up again so i'm doing a gig at the end of uh at the end of may may 29th and uh in arnold's park iowa at the roof garden there and on june 18th and june 19th i'll be back in new york in poughkeepsie laughing up comedy club so uh so those tickets are available right now robert you can grimix me on grimix at ww creative <laughs> underscore ish <laughs> I feel Scotty. like Dan, Dan, Dan's performing in cities that Doink also headlined. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not going to be a lot of mention of me in San Fran or Denver or Austin. <laughs> like, <laughs> check me out at, at the Schenectady Gallagher's Tukers. Something another. You would like to see Dan with the ghosts of Ludwig Borg. <laughs> Please go. <laughs> oh man we should roast him on patreon at some oh point. god yeah okay. uh let's bring some more juice uh uh i'm mike lawrence comedy on instagram that's it for me at scott uh, underscore Scotty. chaplin on instagram uh, and also go on newyorkcomedyclub.com i got two shows this saturday there uh clubs are opening today actually april 2nd so uh yeah i'm there saturday come out zach wash your hands wash your goddamn hands we'll see you next week folks